Wrestling Geeks Hey, how are you guys doing out there? This is Dane Out, the host of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, a show, if you're new, in which me and my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton, break down the latest and greatest professional wrestling news and provide reviews and previews for the pay-per-views to come. Or premium live events, whatever the fuck you call them. But I couldn't do the show without me. Like I said, joining me, like always, the co-host with the most, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. Hey, how's it going, guys? How are you today, Dane? Doing good. You know, just uh, tired. I got a lot to do. I want to talk about some wrestling with you, and I'm going to make some music uh, tonight and record a couple covers as a, uh, a fun practice, if you will. Oh, that'll be that'll be a super fun. What covers are you going to be recording? Um, well, let's see. What did I choose? I chose something easy. Uh, damn it. Um, but these assholes are going to make me play Panama on drums and I barely know it and probably sing it actually. Now I think about it. So it it will be, uh, it'll be interesting. Then we're doing, um, I think we're, we're doing something from CCR. I think we're just going to keep it easy and do down on the corner. We just wanted to see if we could layer songs and record because we haven't done it in a long time. So, um, I'm probably going to end up killing both the, uh, guitarists, Boris, Clun, love you guys. Just want to mention that. <laughs> I've been doing a lot of writing and playing the past, I don't know, month or so. So it's it's like I go through dry spells when it comes to writing. Um, but for whatever reason, the past month I got I got my guitar set up. I got some uh, what is it a fret a whole fret dress everything. So my acoustic is feeling really nice to play, and I've been digging in quite a bit myself. Uh, as you've heard, I've sent you some stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. You've definitely had a uh, kind of like me. We just kind of once in a while, just music burns us out and brings us back in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's it. I mean, I've been playing in bands since I was like 15. So, yeah, it's just it's crazy how that how that works out. Yeah. So um, I guess. We have a lot to talk about, not too much, but stuff that we should probably give detail wrestling wise. Uh, so I'll just kind of, you know, give you a chance, obviously. But for what you watch in, I've watched a lot of Christmas movies, whether it be horror, action, family, you know, the, the usuals. Um, but I watched Leave the World Behind and I really like that movie. So if you get a chance to check that out on Netflix, um, <laughs> It's kind of actually I'm not going to go into it, but it, it was a, a really really good film, very thought provoking. Marshall Lee's amazing in it. Julia Roberts amazing. Kevin Bacon has an awesome part. Ethan Hawke's playing basically Jerry from uh, Rick and Morty, but he's great in it. And uh, just a very scary end of the world scenario uh, within that film. Oh, I haven't seen that one. I've been I've been wanting to check that out though because it looks really good. Uh, as far as what I've been watching, I've been watching uh, Heartbreak High 
which is Australia's answer to 90210. It came out in like 94. So as a fan of these uh, high school teen dramas, my wife said they used to watch this in, in Saudi because they would get, you know, stuff from Australia and stuff from England. And anyways, this show is a wild, dude. It's like a super grittier version of 90210. <laughs> like one of the main characters mom dies in the first like four episodes. So Jesus. like it's a uh, it's pretty crazy. Um, good show. Recommend it. Outside of that, I've been playing still playing through RoboCop, uh, which is still awesome. So highly recommend that for anyone looking for a new video game to play on their holiday break. Pick up that RoboCop. It's pretty damn good. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to play that. Uh, I've kind of gotten, believe it or not, a bit burned out on the wrestling game. So I've been trying to find a story game to play for a little while. Um, I appreciate that 2K is taking more time because this this last version was so well-received, they wanted to like really fine-tune it, and it came out a little bit later. have no problem with that. It's just, yeah, play the same fucking game over and over again, and nothing changes. And even though it's awesome, you kind of need to branch out there. So kind of happened to me with Grand Theft Auto as well, you know? Yeah, I, so I rebought Grand Theft Auto V because I wanted to play some of the online stuff. I never owned it on a modern console. I think I beat it majority on Xbox 360, and I've played through the game uh, multiple times. I bought it on Xbox 360, and I got like halfway through the story with the intention of playing some of the online stuff because it just looks crazy. Uh, but I haven't, uh, I haven't spent a whole lot of time with it since then. And part of that is just because I played so much of it years ago. Um, so I feel you on getting kind of burned out on, on games, but there's a ton of good stuff out right now. I mean, like if you're into like, you know, Baldur's Gate. There's the new Baldur's Gate they just put out on Xbox. Uh, also watched the Game Awards, which I kind of was messaging about <laughs> while it was happening. Uh, Matthew McConaughey <laughs> coming out on stage was pretty wild. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Um, and the, the trailer for the new Grand Theft Auto looks great. I just love that it's not out for another year and a half. So, thanks, Rockstar. Jesus Christ. That was like... That was the majority of all, because they always show the game preview trailers during, that's part of the reason to watch the Game Awards, is you get to see all the new crap that's going to be coming out. And, uh, yeah, so, like, most of the games are pushed out. All those large, you know, AAA titles are pushed out to, like, 2025. It's really sad seeing that number. But it also makes you realize that, like, damn, dude, we're almost in 2025. (laughs) This year has flown by. Or 2024, I should say. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty crazy. It really is. I feel like I just got used to putting 2023 on uh, on like, you know, things I have to print out like checks and shit, you know, or more deposit. I don't really do checks, but you know what I'm saying. So, yeah, dude, that's going to throw me off. It always does for like the first two months. <laughs> I'll be writing the wrong uh, the wrong year. I, I don't know why, but it always gets me every year. I was playing uh, Fortnite last night and was getting killed by Peter Griffin a lot. I was like, what is this game? They've added so many, like, character skins. Did, did the person talk like him? Like, me? Because I would do that the whole entire time. I've never played Fortnite, but I'm all That's, about taking my vocal impersonations that are decent at best and applying them. 
Yeah, it's like the when the character model is when Peter Griffin got buff, <laughs> which is really Jesus. funny. And my friend, uh, my friends and his son were playing. He's off on the holidays, so he let his kids stay up late and play Fortnite. So I was playing with him last night, and uh, yeah, every time I would get killed by like a Peter Griffin, I'd go, <laughs> yeah, do the same thing. <laughs> Uh, he was playing as like Rick and Morty. Like I didn't realize that they've. Ad- I mean, I knew they were like adding stuff like that, but I haven't played that game in well since it originally came out. So it was just kind of yeah, crazy. Thanos in like, it too. <laughs> yeah, they have like it's insane. They have so many character models. I'm glad. It's kind of cool that they're leaning so into that stuff, though. I wish more games would kind of do that, like lean into licensing and drop them in their game, like you know. Maybe I want to play Witcher 3, but as Homer Simpson. <laughs> Seems like that would make that game pretty fun. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Like I said, we got quite a few things to talk about. Probably talk about the biggest news uh, that dropped last night when we were planning out our show, actually. And uh, unfortunately, it looks like you know the word the word indefinitely has been used by Kenny himself, uh, but Kenny Omega, due to diverticulitis, um, well, that being kind of it sounds like the the straw that broke the camel's back because of the, how much pain he's been going through. But essentially, what he said, and we'll go over this, we'll talk about it, and then I will uh, bring up what Tony Khan said last night at the uh, press conference for Ring of Honor Final Battle. Um, it's way more long-winded. I'll just give you that. But uh, Kenny posted a picture of him in the hospital, um, and he said, I can't really sugarcoat this. I'm out indefinitely. I tried to keep pushing past the pain for as long as I could until it became too much. Luckily, doctors caught me when they did. I'll be here. So in the meantime, please enjoy wrestling. And it's got him, obviously, giving a thumbs up on the hospital bed in a gown. Just to give a little insight before I pass it to you, Chris, on diverticulitis. Obviously, a lot of people know about Brock Lesnar. You guys so hit um, and didn't realize, you know, what the thing about diverticulitis, you don't know that you have it until it could be too late uh, because it's pain that you would feel stomach-wise from, you know, ranging of symptoms like if you're constipated. It just feels like there's, like, heaviness within your stomach, and it's more like a stomach ache what happens is you have a situation where the lining of your intestines, it's usually hereditary, but you can develop from also bad um, eating habits. But the lining gets so like so thin that something as easy as a poppy seed or a um, even a chip, you know, if it's not like anything slightly sharp that would go through to your intestines, if it hits that area, you know, causes a small hole that can get bigger and bigger until in Brock's case or in Kenny's case, they get hit one time in that area and it becomes, you know, so disruptive. It starts poisoning the, 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 the stuff that's within your intestines, um, you know, fecal matter and whatnot starts flooding into your system and basically poisons you. And my dad almost, like I said, died from this. Uh, we, he caught it basically right before, like he was in a coma. My good friend, Michael Hoyt had this happen to him and he almost died. Thankfully he got it right before it happened. So it's no joke. 
And if Kenny's experiencing stuff like this and it scared the shit out of him, probably, because I'm assuming that this was something where he didn't know what the hell it was. It kept on getting worse. Just like what happened to my pops and my friend, Michael Hoyt, he goes in the hospital and they catch it before it could have killed him. Um, and if that's the case, then maybe he's rethinking a lot of stuff. I don't think he's being overdramatic. I really think that Kenny, because of his back, his neck, everything and his performance style that he's done for a long time. I think that it's collectively, if he does come back, it's going to be a while. He's going to have to learn to rework everything and realize that ring rust is something serious that happens. So, you know, it wouldn't be anytime soon if it does happen. Um, and most likely if he feels this way, he could just be done. I mean, you got to realize Kenny's, if not in his early forties, approaching that closer and closer. So he's older than Arn Anderson and Stone Cold were when they had to retire due to neck injuries. So extremely terrible news, a great fucking wrestler. And whatever he needs to do for himself, it, I think Chris is the most important, you know, take your health, first and foremost and don't worry about us as fans we'll have to get over it i'd rather kenny be healthy and be able to walk around later on in life yeah it's man that made me so sad yesterday because the thought of when he says indefinitely it it almost sounded like he kind of knew it was time to hang up the boots which is very very unfortunate um I will say, you know, throughout this year, we did get some very, very, very damn good Kenny Omega matches. Some that are probably going to make my top 10 when we do their end of the year wrap up, as we always do. But like you said, um, it's a very serious disease. And, you know, I'm glad that he caught it early. And it's crazy. You know, the guy must be in real fucking pain because this guy wrestled carried the title for an entire year with like a torn labrum and like a bunch of other issues before he uh went out so initially when you sent me the photo i thought he just had really blown out his shoulder honestly um until the the further news kind of came out and uh, it's it's just insane the thought of not seeing kenny omega in the wrestling world like I, like i said in my post uh last night shortly after we found the news i mean he kind of reinvigorated me uh, as far as a wrestling fan goes, like I've always been a wrestling fan. I was watching wrestling a lot, but that first Kazuchika Okada, Kenny Omega match at Wrestle Kingdom, um, that's the, the, the very first match that they, they did was so incredible. I remember we came on the show and I was just so excited to talk about it. And the entire time I watched it, like the suspension of disbelief, it, it made me feel like a kid again. So I have a lot of respect for Kenny Omega. I think he's, Absolutely an incredible wrestler. I just want the guy to get healthy. And uh, he's also a really funny personality in the fighting game community. So maybe he can take some of this time off and get back into uh, competitive Street Fighter 6. I would look forward to that as well. Yeah, exactly. And he's got different avenues and everything like that. So I don't think he's completely done, say, with pro wrestling. But, you know, this this type of stuff, when you find out, details like this and you already experienced tremendous pain and let me just say i mean it's been said about will osprey it's been said about okada naito 
Uh, and you can look at the past with Masawa, um, all the way to Dynamite Kid, you know, and and uh, Tiger Mask, you know, uh, Sayama. That style, I love New Japan. I love King's Road style and how hard hitting it is, and I like um, the King of Strong style with how you know hard the the, the strikes are, the grapples. It looks so fucking real. And like you said, you know, um, when I saw that first match, it just completely blew my mind. I watched it yesterday. Um, still a great match. It's just, it's really, it can wear on your body. And uh, we've seen that time and time again. They take it a hell of a lot more serious sometimes, especially nowadays, as far as it being a, a sport. Um and they're willing to kind of go that extra mile that can unfortunately hinder, you know, your wrestling uh, career later on um, just because of the bumps that you take within that. And, you know, you talk about Will Ospreay. We, we've seen Kenny recently take some fucking crazy bumps, but it was good to watch a lot of his work yesterday. Um, I watched the match with Pac, the uh, 30-minute Ironman match. I watched, obviously, Kenny and, uh, and Okada. I watched him and Tanahashi for the belt right when Kenny left. Um, and then I watched his last match with Ethan Page, which Ethan, unfortunately, uh, unless something happens, obviously, as the unfortunate uh, you know thing of having his last match, and they had a good match. It's just Kenny had a... Very specific style. He wasn't going to deter from that. And I respect the shit out of him. It just obviously has caught up with them, especially now with this new addition, diverticulitis. So any last uh, words before I go into Tony's, uh, basically his breakdown last night at the press conference, Chris? Uh, just kind of the same thing. I watched um, Okada, or not Okada, Omega versus Okada, and uh, I watched... The, the first one, I did not watch all three because that would be uh, – that's a lot of wrestling <laughs> for, for just one feud. But that's what, a David Lynch movie, for Christ's sakes. Yeah, if you haven't seen them, I would recommend watching all three matches. I also watched him uh, versus Christian, which is a really, really damn good match that kind of people have forgotten about uh, where Christian wins the Impact title. I believe it's the Impact. It was either the Impact title or the TNA title because they had the two world titles at one point, so – it's kind of hard to – I don't remember what title it was, but it was a great match. That was a good little feud that Christian had as a baby face uh, kind of at the beginning of AEW or I guess the second year into AEW. And, uh, yeah, I watched some, some of his uh, AAA matches. Um, it, it, yeah, I spent a lot of time watching Kenny Omega stuff last night. And one thing I will say um, – even the worst Kenny Omega match is still like a three-star match because that's how fucking phenomenal the dude is in the ring. And there is a big reason of why he has made, you know, our best wrestler or wrestler of the year lists um, pretty much every year since we started this show. So hope he gets well. Um, you know, I'm sure he's still going to be involved in the back. Uh, as far as I know, he's still one of the EVPs, right? So, I'm, you know, I'm sure he is still going to be around AEW. Kind of feel for Tony Khan a little bit because he did just sign this guy to like a massive five-year contract two months ago uh, when we were all wondering what the Bucks and, you know, the elite were going to do. 
so yeah, I, I don't know, man. It's just it's still kind of shocking. Like it, it kind of felt like it was out of nowhere. I know that he was kind of he's been banged up even after coming back from the injury, but you know, it. it to me, it was just kind of it's kind of insane because we have seen, you know, the, the great matches with Takashita recently and the great match with uh, Will Ospreay. So, like, I didn't expect it. That's for sure. But, you know, I'm sure that he didn't expect it either. Uh, I think it is cool that he kind of personally addressed it and put that out there on Instagram. It's it's nice that he has such a connection with his fan base that he took the time to do that because they could have just as easily just made like an announcement on AEW or did this press conference without him actually, you know, being involved. Uh, kind of a joke here, a little funny. <laughs> when you first said it to me, I thought it was Hacksaw Jim Duggan because of the thumbs up. And I was kind of just like briefly looking at it on my phone. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's crazy. Yeah, it really is. And uh, let me tell you, just um, definitely feel for Tony. We'll talk about some of the other stuff. But, you know, this is about Kenny Omega. But also, obviously, this is another big hit for AEW. And um, final battle was last night. I watched, before we went on air, I watched the last three matches. Uh, Really great main event. I don't know why this was not publicized or advertised with the matches as much on the on dynamite at all because this had some of the big people that are on AEW as well fused in, including I'll just go to uh them top guys, Cash and Dax with Mark Briscoe for a Jay Briscoe Memorial fight against the Blackpool Combat Club. Danielson Moxley and Claudio, uh awesome fucking match. Uh they have a standard tag match. And it goes places. That's all I'm going to say. Just a really great match. Eddie Kingston had a quick but good match against Anthony Henry. Uh, Wheeler Yuta had a good match against Tom Lawler uh, for the Pure Championship. And then in an awesome fucking main event, we had Athena, the former Ember Moon, uh, going against Billy Stark. So I definitely say watch it. I'm not going to go over who won, spoil it at all, but... Good stuff, but the press conference itself afterwards, there was a lot of chatter, comments from wrestlers and whatnot about Kenny Omega, obviously. And when it finally got down to Tony, um, he had some stuff to say himself, which he kind of did. Uh, I'm going to apologize. This is a big – Tony's already long-winded, but this is also a big deal. So this is going to be a little bit, but I will uh, reiterate – I know Kenny put out a statement of his own, and I completely support it. I spoke to him today, and of course, we've been very concerned. It's hard to focus on professional wrestling when it's somebody you care about and somebody that is so responsible for all of this in so many ways. I don't know if we could have launched AEW and all this uh, could have been possible without Kenny Omega. Certainly, he's influential on the launch of AEW as anybody. He's one of the greatest professional wrestlers in the world and an important figure in this promotion and in this business. I think we're all really concerned, but thankful he's communicating and we're hoping for the best and it's taking a turn for the better. The most important thing is he got help from the doctors at the right time and didn't wait any longer because he's in a lot of pain. And I don't think... We knew how how sick he was, or nobody would have wanted him to, to be honest with you. 
Uh, I'll leave it to him to get updates because he's already been communicating and it's his health and I don't want to speak for him, but we're all praying for Kenny Omega and thankfully there's good reason to be optimistic, but we were all worried about, God damn it, Ken, or Tony, I mean, Jesus, you say the same fucking thing. Sorry. But it was honestly really hard in the last 24 hours focusing on wrestling when somebody who is part of a wrestling family who has something happening that's not wrestling uh, like that. Whenever there is a real situation, it always takes the most uh, precedence. We're thinking of Kenny Omega and hoping that he gets well soon and wishing him the best. And sometimes it's not about wrestling, even on great nights of wrestling like this. Um, nice words. Fucking word soup coming out of him. I can just think about his facial expressions while telling all this, but you know, he seems to be a bit more optimistic than what Kenny directly said. So I don't know. Uh, I don't know what he knows that we don't know or anything like that, but you know, Tony Khan obviously is going to be really affected from Kenny fucking Omega, not being actively there. Um, Indefinitely, you know? Yeah, it's it's really weird, and it's kind of unfortunate. Kind of the last Kenny Omega stuff that we saw was kind of wrapped around the Elite and the Trios title, and then this feud with Don Callis, which they haven't wrapped up. Um, then he was tagging with Jericho. Like, it just, it, to some extent, it seems like they've wasted the guy uh, in maybe the last of his career. Uh, I would like to be positive about it and hope that he's going to come back, but you know, maybe he's just done. You know, <laughs> that's the other thing. I mean, this is a guy that's, like I said, I mean, it's not that for lack of fighting through injury, cause he was carrying three titles with like multiple injuries. So if, I mean, you know, maybe it is just time for him to step away and I would have no problem with that. He left us a very, very long list of great shit to go back to and watch. It was kind of, it's kind of like when we used to talk about the undertaker, if, if Kenny wanted to walk away right now, I don't think that there's really that much more for him to prove, um, you know, outside of the, you know, never going to mania, but like, it didn't seem like that was ever going to happen anyways with him resigning. So it's, it's weird, man. Uh, you know, when people talk about the start of AEW, and it's mostly because of the people, I guess, involved. It seems like Cody and the Bucks kind of like really, really celebrate the fact that they did this thing. Kenny's kind of been more like hush hush and doesn't talk about it. But what I will say is AEW doesn't fucking start without Kenny Omega. If Kenny Omega doesn't have the banger of a fucking year that he had in New Japan and became like the hottest wrestler on the absolute planet, I don't know that AEW is even a company right now. If I'm being completely honest, I mean, he is the reason that you could walk into a hot topic and buy a fucking bullet club shirt. So I think people kind of forget about how big and how impactful that G one was. And then the, the actual, you know, match that pursued at wrestle kingdom and then all in, I guess it was all in. Um, he was the main event. I mean, he was definitely the top guy on the fucking card. So it's just crazy, man. I, I you know, I feel for Tony Khan at the same time. I think that, you know, he's kind of wasted Kenny Omega since his fucking return. Um, now, Kenny has given us some great fucking matches. I like the Don Callis feud, but they've just been sprinkling in. So, like, let's just throw fucking Kenny into a tech match. And 
you know, looking at it now, knowing what we know, I mean, that might be part of the reason that Kenny was doing all of this stuff is dude just wasn't feeling right. You know, uh, it's just insane because like when you, like I said, when, when you watch those Will Ospreay match, the, the Will Ospreay match, for instance, you're like, I would never know nothing was wrong with the guy. Um, and he's always kind of been that way. So it's, it's crazy. I, I know that on the show we kind of talked about, uh, he had vertigo, like terrible vertigo in some of those matches in new Japan. And he's, he's done interviews where he was talking about those previous injuries. So it would be kind of nice if we get one of those. Um, I know that he has shown up and done that in the past on wrestling observer radio, but I think like a full interview with Kenny, when he's feeling a little bit better, it'd be kind of cool to hear like his side of things and, and how things are going. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I can't say anything else besides, you know, like you did, I, I feel somewhat that the biggest that Kenny was presented in AEW was the second half of COVID. And it was awesome that he, I mean, let's be honest, I don't know why, since we're dealing with a new Japan championship, acting like Kenny really wasn't the first triple crown champion since he was Impact's AEW and fucking AAA. And oh, okay, well, AAA is not an American. Well, neither is New Japan, but whatever. Okay, that's an American. I'm not going to get into it. That, that just kind of personally annoyed me when they kind of made that. Because Kenny was huge then, but it was unfortunate also that, like a lot of the guys, that was right at the transition point at the end of the pandemic with no audience into, you know, uh, being, you know, right after that. And then, like you said, he got injured, came back, and has flip-flopped into storyline, the storyline that... Outside of the stuff of Will Ospreay and, and uh, Takeshka, just was kind of lackluster. And those were more about the matches themselves, but like actual storylines, it just, um, it's unfortunate. But like I said, I love Kenny Omega. He collectively, with a lot of other people, got me much more interested in uh, professional wrestling when I first started watching. Um, and that match with him and Okada will always be one of my favorites. But, you know, if he needs, like, like we keep on saying, if he needs to take time off or if he's done, that's completely up to him. It's no joke to think about your health before your professional wrestling career. And um, who knows? We'll see what happens. But I'm glad that at least Chris, and we'll talk about another person that's going to be wrapping up at AEW at least Maybe not on the creative sense, but wrestling sense, uh, Brian Danielson. I'm glad that Kenny was honest and kept up with the doctors and Tony about everything and then collectively made his own decision to take himself out before it became a problem. Because I think Danielson's too hooked right now and obsessed with wrestling that I don't think he's realizing some of his own health issues. But we'll get into that. Any other comments before we talk about Mr. Brian Danielson? and recent discoveries about his health. Uh, just that if, you know, if Kenny is, is truly done, I think that it's time to open up the AEW hall of fame and he should be the first inductee. I would, I would think. Yeah. I think him and Jericho would be the two guys that you kind of look at and go, you know, it was when we found out finally that Kenny Omega was definitely involved. And then Chris Jericho was coming in full time. Those were at that press conference. Like you were kind of alluding at what really made AEW form. 
So um, I think that those guys collectively, and either the first two champions or did John Moxley get one in between that? I don't remember, but, you know, Mox's another guy. Uh, but when it comes to Kenny, yeah. He's a, uh, if there's not a Hall of Fame in New Japan, he should definitely be a part of that as well. Yeah, I mean, there there is, and I'm sure that if he's done, he will be inducted. I can't remember exactly how they do theirs. They may do theirs like you have to be retired for five years, kind of like sports. <clears throat> but yeah, I you know, all of those guys are still wrestling. <laughs> the rest of the people we named. So that, I'm always kind of weird when people induct someone into the Hall of Fame, but they're still actively wrestling. It's kind of like a weird thing. But uh, that's just pretty much because every other sport kind of has like a uh, – has a time gap. I know wrestling's different, but usually you have to be retired for like five years, and then there's a ballot, a poll. Um, I'm I'm pretty sure that Kenny Omega is already in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame, which is kind of the, I would say, the end-all, be-all Hall of Fame of wrestling, um, just because it is actually voted on by your peers similar to other, uh, other sports. But yeah, I mean, AEW... As soon as they start that Hall of Fame, I mean, he should definitely be in there. Um, and then they have so many legends on their roster that should also probably just be in there, for instance. like, Or not even in, on their roster, but in the back, like Dean Malenko, for instance. And uh, God, why am I spacing on uh, Jerry Lynn, Jerry Arn Lynn. Anderson? Yeah, all of those guys. I mean, that would be one hell of a first Hall of Fame ceremony. And I think if, he, if Kenny is really done, you can build that around him and you know, make that, make that a big event. I think that, I think he does deserve to be celebrated. Cause like I said, I am not sure that if Kenny Omega doesn't have the incredible, like two years that he had in Japan, I'm not sure that we're watching AEW right now, or at least not we, what we've come to know is AEW. Cause that, that's how big of a fucking deal it was for him to even sign with them. I mean, leading up to that Royal rumble, there was like no, we, no one was sure of what Kenny Omega was going to do because he was still in conversation with WWE. So I, it's just crazy to go back and think about. And it's, it's also crazy to realize that, you know, it's been, what, four years, right, of AEW at this point? Like, that's, that in itself is kind of insane. Um, it started yeah. in, what, 19? Or 18? Yeah. I'm, it's so. It was at least a year, to, a year and a half before the pandemic, and then the pandemic was obviously 2020. I hate to fucking measure stuff like that, but that's how it works now. Um, but yeah, they've been around. Dude, it's crazy, but I love Omega. He's a he's a great wrestler, and uh, it is what it is, man. I mean, I one pro or one thing I, I definitely will say, and I think that you'll agree with this. I think. Now that we did have a time period where Sting, even if we don't like the outcome, went to WWE, AJ went to WWE, I think Kenny is that one person that made a name for himself to a high level outside of the WWE that never crossed over. So I guess that's a crazy stat if you think about it. Yeah. It, yeah it's insane. Like I said, you know, sending well wishes to Kenny, hopefully – everything goes okay and he gets better. Cause like you said, this is very, it's very fucking serious. And it's, it's also insane to think that Brock Lesnar was a UFC champion with diverticulitis prior to him losing. Um, 
it kind of makes you take in consideration of what that fi- his fight could have been if he didn't have diverticulitis or wasn't recovering from diverticulitis. Um, so we have seen people bounce back, and you know maybe down the line if we're being very optimistic, and Kenny, you know, if Kenny wants to, we could see him on a limited time basis in the future at, at some point. I could see that. Um, but yeah, well wishes to him. Uh, like I said, I look forward to seeing him at all of the Street Fighter Six. <laughs> competitions if he is done because uh him going to those are also really really funny like him you know playing with justin wong and stuff like if you're into fighting games kenny omega is is huge in that community that's part of why we've had some of these video game crossover events uh in AEW when they do those jacksonville shows so I, i i would look forward to that i um yeah it's just it's still shocking man to to sit here and and be talking about the last Kenny Omega match we may have ever seen is him versus Ethan Page, which is just kind of nothing against Ethan Page, but it's kind of just fucking mind blowing. Yeah. Well, I will say, and I mean, you already said no offense to Ethan Page, but it is the fact that it's not high profile and, you know, but I watched it back. They still had a great match. So I don't think Omega should feel bad about, you know, his outing. It's just unfortunate if that's actually the case, you know, I mean, I was talking about him being the one who retires Sting. Remember that? Yeah, I mean, it, it made a lot of sense. And for all of the reasons that you kind of stated earlier of, you know, Kenny Omega could be considered like this generation Sting to some extent. The guy that, you know, made it everywhere else and never went to WWE and is the company AEW guy. I mean, that is very much a fucking Sting thing. Um, or AJ with uh, TNA, you know? Yeah. Yep. So it's, yeah, it's just, it's insane. I mean, speaking of AJ, I don't want to get too off topic here, but isn't his contract coming up soon? We can actually have a whole discussion because me and, me and uh, you talked about they're across the board. I mean, if you look at all the major companies, well, even the smaller ones, some of the top superstars are going to be on the market this year. And a lot of them are right at the start of this year, including everyone that was let go from WWE being now officially on the market. So, uh, yeah, we'll, 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 uh, we'll definitely, uh, talk about that. Okay. Yeah. Like, like I said, I don't want to spin this conversation into that if we're going to get into it later, but yeah, it's, uh, that would have been one hell of a way to go out for sting. That's also crazy in itself. Kenny Omega may be retired before sting. Let that that sink in. Yep. Um, all right. Well, you know, I was talking about Brian Danielson. I'm not trying to heckle him. I'm just concerned as a fan. I know that he said that this was the last round. And then he had that weird promo not too long ago saying that maybe, you know, he doesn't know if he can give up wrestling. And I'm sure that was just a promo. But I hope there's no actual reality to that if he did promise his daughter. And that's the time that he has. And that, you know, he's still going to be creatively because let's face it, he's basically – I mean, especially with QT being gone and, and whatnot, his, he's Tony's right-hand man. He's right in collision. Um, you know, that's, that's Brian Danielson is very big in that company. Uh, I just, when I hear these words uh, from Brie Larson and knowing about the past, about him admitting that he kind of lied about co- concussion-related uh, symptoms when he was signed back with WWE and he didn't experience them and still hasn't, but he kind of didn't mention the couple times he actually felt it. This one 
his orbital bone injury, uh, Brie Larson was um, on ESPN talking to Mark Raimondi, uh, former or not Brie Larson, Brie, Brie Garcia, I should say, uh, not 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 Captain Marvel, uh, but Brie Garcia, aka Brie Bella. She was asked about his uh, eye orbital injury and the fractured forearm that he suffered earlier this year. And she said, he's, ma- he's made of steel. I know it's crazy. It's just one of those things that is unfortunate for pro wrestlers. You know, our bodies age, but mentally we don't. Uh, I think his body is like, I think it's time to hang up the boots. And then he said, she said, um, he's so strong. I mean, nothing holds him back. Even when he got the two broken bones in his orbital bone, he was dealing with the pain like I'm fine until his nose went numb and everything else. His nose went numb. Um, Brian Danielson, as a wrestler, seems very in touch with his body. I watched a match last night that I was referring to. Guess what? Got, guess what was bleeding by itself after a couple hits? His eye his orbital bone injury that he has, you know, the, the, the eye wear over to protect it, but he still is going at such a high level. I gotta be honest with you, Chris. I know that he knows himself and everything, but now hearing this stuff from Bree, it, he scares the shit out of me when it comes to the fact of, I don't know how long this timing is that he promised to his daughter. I don't think he's been clear exactly how long that is it's up to her age and i don't know the age of his daughter because i'm not a fucking weirdo but um i'm worried about brian danielson like the fact that he is so focused with work he will put off the fact that he's dealing with major pain until it gets to something where it could have been you know if he if his nose is feeling numb that means his his orbital the the opening that he initially had is getting worse and worse. His eyeball could have fucking like fallen out. Like I'm just, I don't know. And then, like I said, last night, knowing all this, and then I'm watching this morning, the match from last night, and he's taking so much damage specifically to his face, working the eye. It just was like, maybe he's too dedicated. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely something to be said. I mean, you know, that's part of the reason people love Daniel Bryan so much or Bryan Danielson so much is because he is that guy, right? Like his man fucking loves wrestling and you can see it in every match he has. And that's why he's had so many great matches throughout his career. But like you said, you know, it won't hurt you to slow down just a little bit. (laughs) You know what I mean? I mean, I know that's kind of his style, but, you know, he's doing shit right now that he was doing in like Ring of Honor. Um, and this is coming off all the concussions and the neck injury. And like you said, now this orbital bone thing, it's just crazy to think about, uh, you know, I, I, if I was him and, you know, if you still want to wrestle, you can still wrestle, just maybe change your style a bit. Look at, look at Sting. You know what I mean? Like Brian Danielson is in that same category. You're a legend. You know, if you want to do it, save it for just one really big match, like the wrestle kingdom one you got coming up. You don't need to do so much every match. Yeah, and I just hope he figures that out for himself, you know, and I don't know. As a fan, I think it's completely okay to worry. I heard, who was it? It might have been Jim Cornette just 
talking about the fact that he sees a lot of similarities for the passion for the business, for doing whatever it takes to get the fans to, you know, get going, uh, including hurting his body. Uh, even though their styles are so different, he, you know, from meeting Brian Danielson and knowing Mick, he's like, they're, they're one and the same. And Mick, you know, for his own good, wouldn't stop doing stuff until it was to the point where he was living, you know, we're just talking about Kenny Omega and stopping beforehand. You know, Mick was dealing with some stuff and not really telling people about it. And that even when he was trying to come back with Dean Ambrose to have one last match at the beginning of 2010s, uh, they finally looked at his body and were like, how the fuck have you been doing matches in the Indies late, like recently? Like, you're done. Like, you should have been done with the match with him and Edge, let alone all the stuff he did in TNA and shit. And uh, even though Brian's more the technical god, and I feel like Mick's more known for being the brawler, they kind of, they're such a good, like, they, they just come off like such a good human being that that's the reason why they're great baby faces, because you feel for them. But at the same time, knowing as a wrestling fan that they're dealing with this much pain, you don't want to see them get hurt. And I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100% on that. I mean, it's part of the reason I don't bang on guys that are working part-time schedules in WWE that much. You know what I mean? Like, Roman Reigns has been doing this shit for a long time. So... <laughs> I think AEW could potentially do a better job of uh, utilizing these bigger stars and saving those matches, saving what's left in their career for something fucking mean meaningful. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Brian Danielson doesn't need to be in these garbage, hardcore matches that don't really mean anything just because you have a group called the Blackpool Combat Club. They, that, that kind of stuff, you know? Like, save his matches for, you know, like him versus MJF or him versus Samoa Joe. Like, Save it for these large moments. Um, I'll be really curious to see what they do coming out of Wrestle Kingdom because there's no way Brian Danielson is winning <laughs> that match. So uh, it would be interesting to see if, if he's getting ready to hang it up. Is he going to let – is Okada going to be the one to put him, put him away, I guess? I don't know. But that all, all of that news is crazy knowing what we know about his family. I mean like uh, as wrestling fans – we know a whole hell of a lot about him and Brie Bella, or at least a televised version, whole hell of a lot about them. Um, so, you know, there's also that connection there um, where you're like, man, I really don't want to see this guy like end up in a, a fucking wheelchair. Uh, and it's like, you know, before he's 50, uh, which I know that's a that's a fucking terrible thing to think of and, and worry about. But with Brian Danielson, it's a it's a real thing that has been shown throughout his career and his with his injury history and um like i said if i was tony khan you know the guy's already writing collision um you could look at there's ways you can utilize brian danielson is that, that are different than what they're currently doing now whether brian danielson wants to listen to that or not that's all that's a whole different conversation yeah no i definitely have to agree with you on that um <clears throat> But like I said, I'm sure Brian will figure everything out. I just, you know, like I, with everything that happened to Kenny and him realizing like, oh shit, like I need to slow the fuck down and maybe even potentially quit because I want to enjoy the rest of my life. But Brian on his last leg, 
of wrestling. I just hope he doesn't do any damage in the meantime, you know? Man, hey, if I was him, I'd be like really worried about my word alone because I don't want to look like Shawn Michaels out here for the rest of my life. One eye. Hey, you know what? I mean, I, I did teach him. <laughs> my goodness. Uh, Have you ever heard about the actual training that Sean was giving at this wrestling school? <laughs> no, I'm sure he was much more hands-on with the NXT boys than he was at the Texas Academy in the late. But they learned something. He met William Regal, and William taught Brian a lot of stuff as well. So, um, but uh, hey, let's talk about this other thing that's uh, that can be kind of concerning. I, I think you could say for AEW, uh, but WWE. Uh, Reportedly met with Warner Brothers Discovery regarding raw rights. Um, and this was apparently a request once David Zaslav, who famously, what, what did he call him, like one buck or one bill fill or whatever to CM Punk, noticed that he was now on WWE because he was not happy that he ended up leaving apparently AEW. Um, so that was a main incentive for them meeting up for Rob because we've heard about every other fucking place. And why would we think, I mean, even though CW, which is a Warner brothers own company is now going to be doing NXT when it comes to the main channels, TNT and TBS and everything else from Warner brothers, you just don't think that, you know, um, that's where AEW is. Obviously we had uh, Tony Khan, made a uh, statement about this. Um, where is my statement? And I lost it. Oh, okay. He said, I feel like there's no, not, uh, not enough loyalty in the entertainment business. He says, uh, yes, it's no secret. And it's a business. We'll be up at the end of 2024. And I would love to stay at Warner Bros. Discovery forever. So that was him Back in September, talking about Fightful. And now, since then, we have WWE coming in. Crazy concept. We already know that USA will have SmackDown starting next year. We're getting right towards the end. NXT is going to CW. Potentially, Monday Night Raw will be going to somewhere on Warner Brothers. Is there a possibility that everyone remains where they are? I just don't see that. Maybe I'm thinking of the old mindset with Vince in charge and being like, no, there's no way I other professional. I don't know what endeavor if they would give a shit about that. But then again, will they want strike force on the same platform, you know, as uh, UFC? I, I, I don't think so. So there is that. I have no idea. It's, it's a very crazy concept. Chris, what do you think about all this? Well, WWE in the past, and I think this leans into kind of the conversation we had a few weeks ago with the CW contract and then uh, the the news that NWA was completely taken off the network and moving into whatever their streaming platform is going to be, right? So there, uh, it, there is in the past with these TV contracts, WWE usually writes logic saying like within the contract, we can be the only wrestling on your station. So <clears> – <throat> If you're looking at it from a business perspective, if you just if you're the discovery guy, um, you want the best company that draws the most ratings on your television. So it is not completely crazy that they just don't re-sign AEW and sign WWE. Like there's there's a reality to that. Um, 
which would literally like would very limit the market for AEW as far as other places they could go. Um, that's that's kind of such a tough thing because we don't know what we don't know what the pricing is that AEW is looking for. Um, for Smack it's SmackDown, right? That's uh, that is still up in the air. Uh, I would think that it's probably going to end. It's raw. Okay, raw is the one that's still up in the air. I would think that they're probably going to work out a deal with USA, and they'll just be it, it'll be on USA, uh, just because I don't know that USA has anything else that's as big as you know WWE product, and it, it's kind of crazy that they let it slip through the cracks last time to Fox. We know kind of we've kind of heard that Fox is out uh, of this bidding war, so. If you're, you know, if you're Warner Brothers Discovery, you do have to look at this option of look at the ratings the WWE is doing. These Raw is the mainstay on cable for what God, 40 years at this point. Um, there's something to be said about that. If you if you're running an entertainment fucking company, you kind of have to look at that and go, well, it, it wouldn't make any sense if they didn't at least explore the avenue, even if they have a, another wrestling product. But what I do know about WWE. And we we know I, – I would say they're probably going to have the same mindset. They're not going to want their product on the same channel that is showing AEW. Um, it, one, because WWE is, is more kid-friendly. It's more PG. You're putting your product on the same channel where people are fucking cutting each other, other up with <laughs> pizza, pizza, pizza cutters and stapling each other. Like uh, That's going to be something that – that's part of the reason WWE has that kind of logic in their – you know, contracts because it, it will end up hurting their advertising. Um, yeah, that's interesting, man. Uh, I, I, like I said, it, like if you're Warner Brothers, you have to kind of explore the avenue because maybe you pay a little bit more, but you're also going to get – you're getting a bigger fan base than what AEW currently has. Whether AEW fans want to hear that or not, I mean, it's just the, it's just the fact of the matter. You know, I don't know – well, I mean, I'll admit, between sports and variety shows, I don't know really what happens on Monday nights for NBC, but NBC Universal are the ones that own USA. They're the ones that have been working with WWE for a while, and I'm just surprised that the option isn't there for NBC to host Monday Night Raw on Mondays. I don't know if they're more affiliated with football, so that, that, that I don't know who does the Monday Night Football. You know I'm not into that, and I don't watch – any of the popular reality or uh, not reality shows, but variety shows that are out now, like the voice and all that shit. So I don't know if there's something that, but raw gets what? 2 million plus, you know, viewers um, live on Mondays now. So, and it seems like one of the rumors is that this might be reformatted to become a two hour show under triple H and that would be fucking awesome. So do you know, like, what does NBC, you know, one of the main free channels, just like Fox was, um, do they host something major on Monday nights? I, I believe that they do have the singing competition shows, uh, whether it's The Voice or, you know, it, I don't really keep up with those, but I'm pretty sure that they do, like, in their primary, I'm pretty sure that they, like, their primary shows would be Shark Tank. Um, and then whatever kind of talent show they have on those nights. But as far as sports goes, uh, NBC right now is doing stuff like Friday through Sunday because they have Sunday night football for the NFL. Um, they used to be the home of Monday 
uh, in Monday Night Football, if I remember correctly, but ESPN picked up that contract a few years back. So they, uh, ESPN is where you go to watch your Monday Night Football at this point. Um, the only reason I didn't even think of NBC is because they part of that SmackDown deal, if I remember correctly, is they're going to have four televised WWE specials, which almost seems like WWE is going to be showing what previously was a premium live event on, you know, NBC and probably cross-platformed with Peacock would be my guess. I'm not sure I'm looking at it. So the competition that they're not going to move, because I'm sure that it does even better ratings than Raw, is The Voice, which is, I think, that and The Masked Singer probably, I'm assuming, the two biggest, because they're the ones I hear the most about. Shark Tank, obviously, is another one, but um, I feel like The Voice is the most high-profiled, and it's been around the longest, so I don't see that one going anywhere um, to move from Monday Night Raw. But just an idea. We'll see if it happens on a WB-styled network and what that would mean for AW. If it happens, I'm not quite sure, but right now, I mean, we're getting towards the end. We will know soon where Monday Night Raw will end up next year, so... Any last uh, words about that before we move on, Chris? I guess if you're Endeavor and you're WWE, if you're looking at this, I mean, kind of the world is your oyster. You're trying to get the best price. But uh, how would you feel if, you know, if, if NBC comes back and goes, hey, look, what if we put your show on a different day? You know what I mean? Like, I know it's been Monday Night Raw forever, but is there the possibility that they're just like, look, we're not going to move this other programming. We want to get into the wrestling business with you. Do we get like a, you know, a Thursday night raw or something? Because, I mean, there's already talks right, so of SmackDown is potentially moving from Friday to a different day um, just because CW has football on Friday now. So the interesting thing is I'm looking up the voices on Tuesdays as well. Same exact time. I don't know if that's like a rerun thing, and this is not actually accurate because we're getting towards the end of the year and Christmas and whatnot. I'm trying to see like their schedule during the week around eight. Well, this, yeah, see, this is Barry Manilow's a very Barry Christmas. Uh, that will be <laughs> that will be uh, on Wednesday. So, and besides, that's where EW is. So I don't think they're trying to like do that whole thing. Um, what, what's on Thursday? We got. Yeah, okay, so it's all Christmas specials. I don't know what's accurate. I know the voices on Monday nights because my parents watch it Monday nights and they it just said it. So that is accurate. If it could move is a very intriguing possibility because you're right. It doesn't really have to be Monday Night Raw. I feel like you keep it off of Friday for obvious reasons with SmackDown. You keep it off of Wednesdays because of AEW. So you got Tuesday and Thursday. You know, I mean, it's a possibility for sure. Yeah, and I think SmackDown has kind of proved that it doesn't it it doesn't have to stay on the same night for people to watch it. Um, the only problem with that is you are going to lose a little bit of your fan base uh, if you do that initially. Initially, just because like the habit is like, yo, it's Monday, I'm going to watch wrestling. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, it has been Monday Night Raw forever, so I, I think they would be hesitant to do that, but. Like I said, I don't see them moving the voice. They do the two nights. The first night is all the performances, and then I think the second night is like their voting uh, and a, an elimination round, kind of similar to how American Idol used to do stuff. So that's why it's like a two-night thing. I think the uh, Mass Singer does the same thing as well. That's kind of just that platform. Um, 
but yeah, like the the voice. I, I don't know if the voice is still doing the ratings it used to do, but it used to be like five, six million people watch that thing. Um, so I, I doubt I doubt that they're gonna mess with it too much. Yep, just uh, interesting stuff overall. And like I said, we'll be finding out very soon because we're approaching the end of the year. And by the way, like Chris alluded to, our end of the year awards will be coming up soon in the next couple of weeks. Um, and uh, yeah, we're really excited to be going over that. But one last story, and then we'll do some highlights um, and get out of here. But I thought this was very interesting. We had a... So the, the, the Bray Wyatt, um, he had like his own YouTube station before that he even came back to WWE. He was put on on these things and weird videos. One of them was the one that we were talking about a long time where he talked about going to Japan and had this new Kabuki mask that he had designed and was highlighting and showing you different weird things. Well, uh, Bo Dallas seemingly has taken over his website doing a very similar style of vocal, you know, to his brother, which both boys are from the South. So sure it wasn't too hard, but, uh, sounds like he's got a new character. Um, just showed a lot of images, talked specifically about WWE trademark stuff. So I would assume that if he's coming back to wrestle as this new character, Wormwood, and the costume was creepy as hell, it was almost like, it looked like Rorschach without like the jacket and hat, but like a white suit. It's very creepy and ominous, but he said it would be a different iteration. Uncle Howdy's dead. Bo Dallas is dead. Uh, Taylor um, Wyndham is dead. And you know, this is the new character he's presenting. So it looked really cool. Like most of Bray stuff. And I will say, and I said this at the time that if Bo Dallas wanted to come back and wrestle, and do his thing, you know, I'd be very happy for him. I think he's a great wrestler. And the Bolivia stuff really was working in NXT. It just did not translate well on the main roster. So he, he definitely has what the uh, kids say, that Riz, which I found out was short for charisma. A lot of fuckery shortening words. Anyways, getting old. Um, so I like it. I also said that if he wanted to do anything involving, you know, his brother's elements and kind of dive into that, that was his choice, you know? So just like I'm very happy Mark is progressing and had a fantastic match, like I said last night, on Final Battle um, in the name of his brother. I'm really happy to have Bo coming back. I don't know where. I'm really assuming it's WWE-related, but I remember Dave, you know, right around when Bo died, he kind of, you know, a couple weeks later was talking about how uh, Bo wasn't under a long contract or anything like that. It was kind of like, smaller and to be turned into big once they started actually using him. So I don't know if he even has a contract with WWE, but they have one hell of an arsenal trying to let a guy that's really great in the ring. Um, Cause that's the thing. It's like, I think Bray has more similar style to his grant to his grandfather, uh, much more of a brawler hitting hard, you know, had to do less where Bo has more of his dad's side of the family, the Mike Rotunda, um, Blackjack Mulligan being what, what I was talking about uh, for Bray. But um, Mike Rotunda was a collegiate wrestler before he even came and was a part of the varsity club with Dr. Death and Kevin uh, Sullivan. 
obviously later on became IRS, but great in-ring guy. His uncle, who actually taught him a little bit, is Barry Windham, who's a very accomplished for his size, being a great in-ring wrestler. So it's very intriguing to think about Bo Dallas potentially coming back. Um, if this is him, if he's not in WWE, and then this is him taking this and bringing it to the Indies and potentially to somewhere else outside of WWE, that's very intriguing. If this is him bringing it back to WWE when they can find a spot for him and bring him in there, that's also very intriguing. My whole thing, Chris, is I want Bo Dallas to succeed because he's a good wrestler for one thing. And also, you know, if he's doing this, like he said in the video, uh, for his brother. And we'll talk about doing stuff for family members when we get to me talking about the Von Erics a little bit later in AEW. But uh, what do you think about all this? Yeah, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I liked the video, like I told you when you sent it to me. It, it sounded like it was going to be an intro to a Wu-Tang track. <laughs> so I like kept waiting for Wu-Tang to <laughs> pop in, um, which would have been awesome. Like, <laughs> that would have been great, but uh, it wasn't. Uh, it's, it's interesting. And, I mean, obviously they had plans to kind of – it seemed like they were going the route of let's rekindle like a Kane versus Undertaker thing with – him as Uncle Howdy to begin with. So him kind of shifting this character, changing it up a little bit. Uh, what, what did he call the name? Wormwood? That's what it's going to be, I guess. Uh, yeah. Wormwood being it's a weird name. Make, it's what you make absent out of. Former band I was in, the Wormwood Project. You guys can go check them out. They're still out there playing. Um, <laughs> interesting uh, interesting stuff altogether. Uh, there, there is that gap that WWE always tries to fill. For for the Undertaker type character or a character that is of similar you know value, they I think they thought Karrion Cross was going to be the guy, but then they like they killed their gimmick and it turns out like he's just not worked on the main roster. So one thing we can say about Bo Dallas is they gave him one of the stupidest gimmicks of all time and he got that thing over with the Bo Leave stuff. So I, yep. I am. Uh, I'm interested to see what he's going to do, man. Like, I, I think, you know, given the shot, he is a much better in-ring wrestler than Bray Wyatt. Um, so if he can get down the other part, if they, if they can continue to do these vignettes, build him up, I, I'm excited to see where that goes. Because there is a gap on that show where they don't they don't have anyone like a Bray or an Undertaker at the moment. And if he's the gap fill for that, that was kind of the plan all, all along, was him being Uncle Howdy, right? Or being revealed as Uncle Howdy. So, uh, yeah, I have no problem with it. I think it's really cool. It's uh, just another feather in WWE's cap. And like I said, Bo Dallas is a fucking great wrestler, so you'll, you'll, get, you'll get some good matches out of it at the very least if, if they do go through with it. What, what would be interesting is what his contract actually looks like. Um, I'm assuming if they're going to give him like a big – if they're going to build on this and give him the big thing, he'll probably re-sign a different deal. Um, but, yeah, that's – that's why I hate that there is like no cap friendly website for wrestling. <laughs> Every other sport, all of these, you would think these wrestlers, I'm not saying unionize. Uh, well, actually they should unionize honestly, but uh, that's gotten people fired and all sorts of shit in the past. But you know, you would want to see these contract deals kind of out in the open so that you kind of know what your market value should be. Right. So like if you're MJF and you're the top guy in AEW, it would be nice to know what a Bo Dallas contract looks like for comparison. But, they, you know, that wrestling is still the whole independent contractor thing is still kind of disgusting. And um, 
uh, you know, all these guys are talking behind the scenes, but it would it would be nice to have those numbers out in the open so you kind of know when these guys' contracts are coming up. And because like it's the worst if you really invest in a guy and their contract ends in six months and then they're just not on TV and WWE owns all the copyrights to all their shit, so they're going to come back as a different person on a different show. Like that's always terrible. Yeah, absolutely is. And there's there's so much they're doing so many cool things and crossing over people and just trying to find space for everyone to kind of flesh themselves out to a certain extent. And they're doing a great job, I think. I like the interactions with NXT. If Bo wanted to like start this off and have more of a presence to build and work with some of the younger guys on the platform that he kind of was a part of more so, I would say, than the main roster and then bring that or do whatever. I think there's a lot of possibilities. So there's definitely room for Bo Dallas. If you believe. Yeah. yeah, if you believe. Um, there's definitely room for him. Like I said, he's a great wrestler. And like, so that his alone, girlfriend got arrested last night. Did you hear about that? His, no, what happened? What was that? I did not hear about this. Liv Morgan was driving around in Florida and uh, got pulled over, and there was a smell of marijuana in one of the uh, states where it's legal, but obviously you can't smoke it and drive, so it reeked of weed, and they found, like, I think an ounce on her and a weed pen. So, you know, we're, we're different than we were back when Rob Van Dam got fucking fired over it, obviously. And there's different ownership altogether, but uh, not too good for Liv. Hey, it's not that, what, I don't know what the Florida laws look like, but isn't anything under an ounce in Georgia just a misdemeanor now? It's like a ticket, right? I believe so, yes. So I, I think like, it's more serious if, if it's obvious that you were driving it, you were intoxicated, but intoxicated while driving or something like that. There's there's stupid shit they throw at you. Yeah, I mean, you could. Get, Actually, get I'm not going to say it's stupid. You probably should not drive impaired. I'm just decent about it when I'm high. So yeah, don't do, I mean, don't like, do drugs, kids. I, I guess it depends on what weed you're smoking, right? <laughs> like, um, no, it. Obviously, I'm not out here saying impaired drivers. I thought when you started that story, it was going to be like a, one of the Uso stories where they were driving like a fucking down a one way wasted. Um, this sounds like she was probably just, I mean, <laughs> most wrestlers on that roster now smoke weed. So I don't think that that's going to be a big fucking deal. They let Matt Riddle in that locker room and everyone started smoking weed. That's <laughs> they're actually pretty open about it now as a company. So it's uh and a lot of people use it for medicinal purposes. Like, I don't think that's far-fetched. Wrestling's fucking tough on your body, right? So, uh, what, that would be a misdemeanor in Georgia, and if you were driving and smoking at the same time, they would probably give you a field sobriety test? I would think. I don't know. I've never – that's never happened to me, but I would assume – I mean, that's how, a D, that's how a DUI works is they would have to give you some kind of test, right? I don't know how you do that with weed. You can't do like a – I mean, obviously you've been smoking weed and it's going to show up in your piss test or blood test, but like, there's no way to gauge, like, it's not no, like, you know what they do? Can... No, what? So, so what they do is the, the police officer in his left hand, he never even says anything about it, but he has like a fresh, hot pizza slice of cheese and he just holds it in the window a little bit. And if the person tries to nibble <laughs> at it, obviously they're high. <laughs> if they go, why do you have a piece of pizza with you? <laughs> then obviously they're not. So there you go. Yeah. 
I don't know. That's weird. And uh, Liv Morgan has plenty of money, so I'm sure that that's that won't be a problem for her. But she's been out injured, right? Like, is she still recovering from injury? Yeah. Yeah, she was. Um, I mean, the recent thing I saw her at, she was with someone that everyone was like, oh, no, her and Bo Dallas. Well, I don't know for anything, but apparently her and MJF went to school together or some shit like that in New York. So they know each other. And she was his date or vice versa for for the premiere of uh, Iron Claw. And um, that was that's the last time I saw her. And then she's like, <laughs> she gets arrested for, uh, you know, shit happens. She's on the road to recovery. She'll be all right. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I don't know. Like I'm a physical <laughs> recovery. I don't think she has a problem with. I'm I'm hitting a I'm a, a weed pen right now, so you know. Yeah, I mean, like, you would have to smoke a fuck ton of weed for it to be like super impairing, honestly. Oh, I I, I really love Robin Williams. Uh, well, I just love him in general, but one of his skits where he was talking about like. Uh, the the gentleman that he was a snowboarder and he got disqualified in the mid two thousands maybe it was Sean White I have no idea but because they found weed in his system and he was like the only way that weed would be able to help out you know as far as a, a drug enhancing drug is if you had a big old chocolate bar right at the end of the fucking thing so. <laughs> that is, that is so weird it is nice to see some of these sports have kind of uh, I know the NFL and a bunch of others like. It, it plays into some contract. Uh, they, they have, they've had to be like way more lenient on weed as far as like coming back on drug tests, because there's like, you know, if you live in California, it's legal there. So it's like, it, it, they're in this weird spot now where what as, us as a country need to just decide if it's fucking like, it, it's, I know it's federally legal, right. To some extent, but it's still controlled state by state. So it's kind of like this weird, we're in a weird fucking place as far as like drugs and sports go i think that every um athlete should be on drugs i mean i'm just kidding anyways well (laughs) (laughs) we grew up in the time period of which the drugs that athletes were taking actually did make a difference you know like fucking mark mcguire's out here the size of a house that's a little very bonds that's a little different like than a doing fucking, some weed. Yeah, no kidding. Lawrence uh, Taylor just out here coked out of his mind <laughs> for the Giants. What was the uh, uh, baseball player that did a uh, no hitter? Fucked up on acid in the eighties. <laughs> Wade Wade Boggs. It's a whole Jesus Christ. That's amazing. No, 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 not the no hitter. Wade Boggs is the one that like uh, batted the cycle drunk. They did a whole Always Sunny in Philadelphia <laughs> episode about it. <laughs> Yep, they sure did. All right. Let's move on to what I just was actually kind of talking about. I'm very excited, Chris. Um, I'm probably going to see it next weekend. But the movie The Iron Clock comes out. We've talked about this. Two hours, 12 minutes from director Sean Durkin, a gentleman who I know I've heard of his movies and films like Martha Macy, uh, May uh I can't remember the full fucking name, but he's got very introspective. The nest was another one of his. Now that I'm looking at it, but the iron claw, obviously it's getting great reviews besides IGN because they have idiot editors and they always have when it comes to stuff outside of video games. Um, anyways, but you know, it's, it's doing great when it comes to everyone else, I will say, but I'm really looking forward to this movie. 
Um, I love seeing everyone at the premiere. You know, John Cena became friends with Zac Efron, and he was there. It was weird seeing him pose at MJF. Uh, MJF was not too happy, uh, admitting that uh, apparently a lot of his scenes got cut from the actual film, but that's that's cinema. Um, but it you know it just looks incredible, and the tie-in that I don't think. I feel like AEW could have done more with uh, with this dynamite, um, with Lance and Ross being on it with Kevin. But next Friday it comes out. I am really looking forward to seeing this movie about the Von Erichs and their tragic but semi heroic story, Chris, of persevering. I'm looking forward like, to it. I'm persevering. It just like throws it in at the end. Sorry. I'm looking forward to this biopic. I think it'll, I think it'll be pretty good. It is an interesting story. It is one that we have heard through many documentaries over the years. But the casting looks great. I mean, like as far as them looking the part, that looks incredible. It should be a pretty good movie. I'm going to check it out. I'll, if you're going to see it next week, I'll try to check it out as well so that I can uh, so we can talk about it. But yeah, uh, as far as like it's also when MJF said that I was like, even if like every scene they filmed of MJF. <laughs> was in the movie he would still say that because he's also always in character that's a good point that's definitely a good point uh the one thing i will say uh if if you if you haven't got a chance not only are they on sirius xm and uh they're also on spotify where they have like a lot of the clips from busted open but specifically now they're on youtube if you get a chance there's a 20-minute interview. It should be one of the top videos if you go to Bust It Open on YouTube of Bully Ray and David LaGreca interviewing uh, the Von Eric boys. Um, I can't believe I'm getting choked up before even talking about this. Sorry. I just I fell in love with these guys. They had Bully crying within it. They are so much like their dads and uncles. They just have that, like, that charm, like nothing's rehearsed. You can tell that they're speaking from their heart. So it might not be as polished or anything, but they're just super baby faces to the core. And their whole principle of this was getting their dad to kind of relive his career because they didn't get a chance except for when they were little babies to know their uncles. Like, you know, they grew up without them, any of them being there. Like it was just Kevin and their mom would always tell them, you know, there was six other ones just like him or five other ones, however many, obviously, you know, and they said that they went to, um, uh, they were at a wrestling show. I don't know if it was George South or another old timer wrestler that was talking with them and all of a sudden kind of got emotional. He's like, Oh my God. He goes, Lance, you have your uncle Perry's mannerisms, his, his, his sense of humor. And I look at your brother, Ross and he looks and just has all of his dad's mannerisms. He's like, he kind of got emotional and just hearing that they want to do this for Kevin and make it somewhere. And their big goal, uh, whether it be a WWE impact or whatever is to get a major tag championship title run so they can present it to their father. Cause that's, that's their, that's their big goal is to, is to do it back for him and show that Von Eric's are there. They move back to Texas with their dad, back to the ranch and they're doing stuff to try to let, just get themselves, you know, they've been, they've been doing indies and they're in MLW for a couple of years. I mean, they're, we're, we're about to talk uh, eventually about the top prospects from every company. They're done with MLW. 
Um, and I hope AEW and I hope WWE, someone grabs them because there's such authenticism with them. Besides them having the past, they're just such authentic people. They don't come off like a character. Like I love characters. Don't get me wrong, but they just can't come off just so real. And I really hope that these guys do great. Fucking bully Ray even said, Chris, he goes, you guys are making me want to call Devon and set up a match at some place and beat the shit out of you so you can sell like Von Eriks, but, you know, have one hell of a match. And they were like floored by that. Now, my second half to this before I send it to you is the match that I saw on Rampage last night was great. And apparently, you know, uh, Tony was asked about it at Ring of Honor uh for the press conference. And he said, they're going to also be on collision. So they'll be on the show tonight, which is good. But you know, to see him on there, they're promoting the iron claw. They barely got any words. Then orange Cassidy was like, Hey, we're in a tag team. And it was a fun tag team. Don't get me wrong. People went crazy. Cause Tony being Tony used a stranglehold and Texas. Kevin came out at one part, the fucking place blew off. It was awesome. Uh, honestly, for Rampage, I would definitely check that out. And I'm going to be checking out Collision. And I know the whole loss in the f- – it, 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 it's kind of like for WWE and AEW right now with their tag division. You can get lost in the shuffle. But wherever they go, I think we probably should see them on NXT. Maybe we'd see them on Ring of Honor, you know, kind of get their, their, their feet in. But I think they're really talented. And especially with the movie coming out next week, I want them to do really well. So just wanted to say that. Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they get a contract offer. They've, they've been offered contracts in the past for a big company, and they kind of went away from that because they wanted to be with their family, right? That was, I think this is when they were living in Hawaii. Um, yeah. And they ended up signing that. M- the reason why they moved to Texas. Yeah. Yeah. And then they ended up signing the MLW deal. And we, because we, me and you talked about this on the show at the time when they're, uh, when they were out there looking. I mean, they're a great tag team. So, like, wherever they go, I'm sure they're going to be fine. Um, the selfishness in me would be go to AEW and let's rebuild this tag division because AEW has the talent there to have a great tag division and they take time to focus on it. And WWE is trying to get better at it, but it's kind of like still, I don't know, like it, it is kind of an afterthought to WWE. So, you know, if you want to have a big successful tag team career, you, I mean, you, you won't get your big WrestleMania moment, but as far as having like great matches, AEW is probably the place to go. I mean, it would break, it'd be great to see him, uh, you know, wrestle, uh, get cash and Dax and the Bucks and, you know, Jeff and Matt, if they would actually utilize them properly. I mean, there's a good amount, you know, you got Christian and, um, uh, God, Buddy Wayne's kids, Nick Wayne. Sorry, <laughs> I was like Buddy Wayne's kid. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just, and, and then you still got like you know the, the Lucha Brothers should be back at some point. There's just so many good tag teams in AEW if they focus on that tag division. If I was a tag team up and coming and wanted to be a part of one of those companies, I would look at that and go, okay, that's kind of where I want to be. That being said, we got some big news from Impact, so. Uh, Kashida's back, right? <laughs> There's a tag team right there, Kashida and Alex Shelley. Like a, they have a great tag division as well. Um, I'm assuming yep. this is going to end up being an AEW thing, though. And good for them, and congratulations. Like I said, they were offered a contract by 
multiple companies before they signed with MLW, but it had more to do with the, the amount of dates that they wanted to work at that time. I think Kevin, if I remember right, there was something going on with Kevin Healthwise uh, was, was part of that, but I could be wrong. This was, God, that was like three or four years ago at this point, so I'm really pulling from the, the deep recesses of my mind here. Well, Kevin looked pretty healthy last night. He went out and he gave the iron claw to Jake Hager with his hat on. So pretty funny. Good stuff. Good match from them. They both look great. And I'm looking forward to seeing how they utilize them tonight on collision. So, yeah. And I will pre apologize to the Von Eric family if uh, I was wrong about that, but that's kind of just what I remember. Uh, but part of the reason they were staying in Hawaii and didn't want to sign like a WWE deal is because they would just be gone all the time. So that was, that's what I remember, but they definitely were offered contracts. Like, I don't know what that, if it was an NXT deal or if it was a main roster deal or whatever, but they're a great tag team. Um, I'm pretty sure they're going to have success wherever they go. This movie is definitely not going to hurt that, but just no. on their own as a tag team, they're, they're great. And we said stranglehold. I'm assuming the Ted Nugent song, right? <laughs> Yeah, okay. it was pretty awesome. It, it was really cool. And the fucking crowd, Texas still remembers Von Erichs, especially Dallas. So that was pretty awesome. It's always weird that that Texas tag, like, I mean, I get it, but the Von Erichs coming out to something that's not tag, like, why wouldn't they go out to, like, LaGrange by ZZ Top? Like an actual Texas I don't know. Instead of the Detroit City <sighs> Madman. The real question here is, do, are we going to get Ted Nugent in wrestling? That would be great. Because oh. <laughs> he's fucking <God>. crazy. <laughs> oh, Lord. I'd love to see it, I guess. Um, him and Dan <laughs> Lambert will have a, uh, a promo off. That would be amazing. Oh, my God. Now I need to see it. Ted, Ted Nugent's there to play the Von Erichs out <laughs> at the next pay-per-view. Gets into a feud with him, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh god you know Ted Nugent would be like one of them people try to touch me I'll just shoot him <laughs> like, oh, I'll man. fucking kill him do you remember uh, that yeah. do you remember that very short lived fucking VH1 show with Bottom's son and uh, Sebastian Bach and Ted Nugent they were like for, trying to form a super band yeah I think it was, wasn't it called super band or super group or something like that <laughs> it's, it's something of that that nature. They had the basis from Biohazard that was uh, married to um, what was that hot porn star back in the day? She was Asian. Oh, damn it, I can't remember. Good. I I know exactly what you're talking about, but I can't think of her name. Um, because they bring it up on the show multiple times as well. But that entire show is worth a watch because it's literally like Bonham and Ted Nugent looking at everyone else and being like, "Man, these people don't know what the fuck's going on." Scott Ian's there. <laughs> Which is random as hell as well. It is worth, like, if you've never seen this show, if you're listening to this and you like Anthrax um, or any of these other other bands, it's worth checking out. Mostly because, like, it's the entire show is, is the bass player from Biohazard going to murder Sebastian Bach? (laughs) That's the kind of the premise of the entire show. And he doesn't, but he almost does, basically. Spoiler alert. Sorry. It comes, it comes, pretty, it comes pretty close to a Donnybrook. Um, <laughs> gotta say Donnybrook because, you know, Sebastian Bach's Canadian. Yeah, exactly. 
He was just on The Masked Singer and had an incredible performance on there that I watched because I was like, oh, shit, Sebastian Bach's on The Masked Singer. They're going to start this Jericho-Sebastian Bach feud back up. Let's get that going. We should definitely – we deserve a a match, I think. And Tara Patrick was the name of the the girl, by the way. Just flashed in my fucking head. (sighs) Hope she's doing well. Yeah, me too. Uh, She was a big part of my teenagehood. Yeah, your teenagehood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, mine too. Uh, along with Devin and Jenna Jameson. And anyways, let's keep on going. Um, so I'm just gonna go through the matches, Chris. <laughs> that would, and we'll talk. That was that was back when everything wasn't about your stepsister or stepmom. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Old, what is wrong with these websites? Yeah, <laughs> dude. No, I'm I'm right there with you. If we want to be honest with you, that's fucking weird. What? Anyways, um, I have a sister. It's like it's it's all like banging your stepdad or. Okay, I guess people learn this weird shit. Anyways, NXT <laughs> uh, deadline was last weekend. Opened up with CM Punk, Shawn Michaels. Apparently, they had something that was pre-planned. They both kind of was like, I guess Shawn forgot some of his words, so they just. Went for it and just did a little bit of teasing that maybe Punk was thinking about sticking around in NXT and helping Sean with some of the new recruits, um, which is not that unbelievable because obviously with these guys it might be different, but he was trying to do that with AEW. It's just uh, a little bit aggressive and some of the other people wouldn't take advice from fucking Arn Anderson. So they're not going to listen to CM Punk uh, even, but that was never to happen. I love the touch that he was wearing his Bret Hart pink hoodie. And Sean's like, oh, man, what the fuck? What are you doing? And like CM Punk's like, nah, dude, you made out with Bret Hart, just like I did with Triple H. And uh, just a, a fun <laughs> little opening. Um, and uh, just some funny stuff between Sean and Punk before the, the whole thing started. I love seeing, because I did see when she first got signed there, like there was this old video of Core Jade meeting CM Punk and breaking down. Uh, before, you know, when she was first starting to try to get into wrestling and he surprised her and, you know, was talking to a lot of the guys in the back that were happy to get to hang out with them. So that's cool. You know, maybe we're seeing a different, he's a, he's a happy punk, Chris. He's a happy go lucky punk. He has no choice. (laughs) Let's be honest. (laughs) That was a really sweet interview thing. Um, I don't. Did they actually show that on the show, or was that just one of their internet things? Because that was a really sweet moment where he came up and and told Cora Jade he was yeah. proud of her, and that was like a really cool. April was thing. proud of her. Yeah, I mean, I thought that was really really neat. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think Punk is that hard to use in wrestling. Like, I don't. Uh, he obviously had heat with the elite, and that spun off everything else, right? Which I think really comes down to the fact that he was probably getting paid a lot fucking more than they were, if if we're being completely honest. So, whatever. Yeah, we, we that all could definitely be it. He is not the top paid guy in WWE. I'll tell you that. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe it's not a big of a deal. I know that fucking uh, I know that Cody Rhodes contract was when it was out floating around. It was like he said he wanted CM Punk money, so he just left and got CM Punk money. <laughs> And now CM Punk can't even get CM Punk money because Cody has CM Punk money. <laughs> yeah, he's he's got to ask for Cody Rhodes money. I guess that's the 
That's the thing. None of them got Roman Reigns money, so or Randy no. Orton money. <laughs> yep. But, yeah, Punk's been Punk's been great since he's been back. I mean, I I knew for a fact they were not going to lean heavily into any of that brawl for out crap because it's WWE. Like they don't care. They don't even care that AEW exists. If we're, I know that people want that to be a thing, but it's like. You might get like an offhanded comment by Triple H on one of those press conferences. Like uh, he did drop that one. It's still like the hardest diss in this battle that they've been having, which is just like, congratulations, you beat our development brand. <laughs> still pretty, still pretty fucking hard. Uh, but yeah, outside of that, like they, they haven't said a whole, they haven't said a whole lot. Like the WWE side, they're not just out here firing shots every week. So when he showed up and, uh, you know, I think it's. I think this is a better situation for Punk. Me and you said that when he went to AEW, I was like, it'd be better. It's a better situation if he does make up and go back to WWE because he can work a lighter schedule. And they're only going to put him in high-profile matches, and they're not going to have him do like you know forty-minute matches with Hangman Adam Page. Like they're going to be like, okay, go do your thirteen-minute pay-per-view match with Seth Rollins, and it'll be like a safe, good WWE match, which I think is a better situation for Punk with his age and injury history and everything else that goes into that. And uh, he's still one hell of a promo. So not my favorite wrestler in the ring. I will continue to reiterate that. I am not a CM Punk guy, but he seems to be fitting well in WWE. And I, I kind of didn't expect anything less because like WWE doesn't have like the outlaw feel that AEW has uh, when it comes to like backstage stuff. It is a fucking business. It just is what it is. Absolutely. It was a fun, it was a fun way to start off a pretty good pay-per-view. Um, and uh, I'll just, like I said, I'm going to go over all the matches. Um, Axiom defeated Nathan Frazier. They always have great matches. I like both these guys. One, one was trained by Seth and he just has a really good look as far as a baby faith. Axiom, especially his match with Dragon Lee, where they brought him up on SmackDown, a couple weeks ago, that was an awesome match. I know that he's actually uh, a kid or a, this uh, Spanish wrestler that was over in um, the UK, NXT UK, but he came and developed his character and very uh, suicide esque, I guess you could say. But good stuff. Dragon Lee with uh, Rey Mysterio defeated uh, Dirty Dominic Mysterio and won the NXT North American Championship. Uh, he was kind of. He didn't have anyone there. Uh, everyone was in other places, so that kind of bleeded into Monday Night Raw because Mommy was not happy about that. Um, we got Blair Davenport. What's up? No, I was going to say, didn't we get the punk throwback for, to Dom like in one of these shows? I'm trying to remember. Punk had like an off comment to Dom of like, I'm glad that Ray hit you in the face or something. He's like, I've been wanting to hit you in the face for a I think he did say that. Time. <laughs> yeah. It was sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was just thinking about that because that was like a really funny moment, and it, it, like Dom's reaction to it was great too. Dom's fucking great, man. Yeah, I'm glad that me and you stood really by good. him. We stood by him when everyone else was like, "Oh, it's like, dude, he's had like five matches. Give him, give him, a, give him time. It's really worked out." Yeah. I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna like lose hope for a second generation wrestlers. Not all of them end up like David Flair, David San Martino. So you know. I want them to do well within wrestling. It's weird how that works. 
Yeah, I mean, like, like I said, like he was what twenty when they brought him in, so you know he had like five matches under his belt. He was trained by Lance Storm, so I knew he was going to be fine. Honestly. Yeah, exactly. All right, so Blair Davenport won. It was like a number one contender. They had two of these. This is the Women's Iron Survivor Challenge. It's a very interesting concept. I just don't know if it's working for me. I'll have to. I, I, it was it was fun, but. It's kind of hard to keep up with. Everyone's trying to get points, like the Iron Man aspect to it, but they come out at different times and whatnot. Blair won. Uh, Trick won his, which now we have uh, Trick and Ilya Dragunov coming out. Carmelo Hayes had an awesome match with the former Brian Pillman Jr., Lexus King. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Tiana James uh, had a steel cage match with Roxanne Perez and beat her. And then the championship match... Ilya Dragunov, and everyone needs to get off. Baron Corbin's nuts had a fucking awesome match. Ilya Dragunov went over. Thank you, Baron, for helping out on the NXT roster like you've been doing. Bro, I wish that they would give Baron Corbin some wins. That's my only thing about his run in NXT, because he has been great since getting back there. Um, It's like this is the version of Baron Corbin that I liked when he was in NXT the first time, so... Uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. I have the same kind of problems with the women's Ironman tournament that I think you have where <clears throat> it seems overly complicated for no reason. <laughs> like, I'm glad that they show the rules before the match, like really quickly so that I can remember what the hell the tournament is each, each week. Cause I, I've had a problem with that kind of that and the presentation of it the entire time. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a dummy, Dane, but that I, I, I have the I, much like you. I think I have some of the same issues with it. The matches themselves have been pretty good, though, so I can't complain about that. Yeah, there. It's an interesting concept. It's just I haven't gotten used to the way that they do it, and then it becomes a very exciting like five-way match where everyone's trying to get a pin. I like with the men's that they did it where Trick Williams. He had zero on the board, and then he was able to do, like, four back-to-back to end up winning the whole thing. That was a really cool concept and had you on your toes. So, you know, it's a new thing that Sean developed. I think this is the third time, maybe second time they've done it. So, you know. Hey, uh, it's Sean Michaels. Who's boy? He's Part of this, I'm not going to blame on the match itself or the tournament itself. The commentating team on NXT does not always do the best job of uh, explaining shit. It's exciting, man. It's so great. Yeah. I love Booker T, but. I love Booker, but he is definitely not. uh, He's not going to be. He shouldn't be the explain guy. You know, they need like their. They need their Excalibur to run down. (laughs) Like what all the complicated rules are before each of these matches, because. You know, I try to watch NXT week to week, but like if I miss a week or a couple weeks or whatever, and I'll try to catch up, and then you hit one of these matches, and you're like, "What the fuck is going on?" <laughs> uh, but it is a neat idea, and the the Trick Williams finish was great. I, I'll agree with you on that. It's uh, it's a e- I get what they're going for because it is an easy way to build tension within a match to make it almost more high profile than it should be. So like the the concept that Sean came up with is actually pretty brilliant. It's just you know, we'll slow the show down a little bit, explain it, you know, make sure that everyone watching knows what it is. Cause there are people that just watch the NXT pay-per-views because there's a bazillion hours of wrestling on TV. Um, 
that that would be my only complaint about it, I guess. Yeah, I, I my thing is they're getting to the point, and I know that they don't have a lot of space right now on the main roster, but they, they seem to be trying to get Carmelo, especially with this U.S. Uh, title tournament, you know, shown more. But I, I keep on saying, uh, Braun Breaker, the champion Ilya Dragunov, um, Carmelo, Trick, uh, and then on the ladies' side, Roxanne Perez, uh, Tiffany Stratton, uh, the current champion, uh, damn, I can't remember what her name is. Uh, the one that was kind of trained a little bit, or at least inspired by Becky. She's fucking great. Irish chick. I'll look up her name. Cause I feel like an asshole right now for not knowing her name. But what I'm trying to say is they're all ready. Like all of them, they're all ready for the main roster. Like you can only keep Ilya Dragunov has been on an NXT platform for what? Eight years now. Yeah, yeah, he really has. Uh, I think that he's shown a lot with his promo ability, which will help like him get to the main roster. But we have kind of a logjam, um, much like we always do in WWE, right? Where you still have like a mix of like it's very top heavy around the title picture of people that would should be in the the title picture, and then the middle of the show, like the meat of where these people would fit in, they haven't quite fleshed out yet. I think they're doing a way better job with Triple H there. And I think that, you know, if you look at Ilya Dragunov, you're, if you look at what Valter has done, right, there's definitely a spot for Ilya Dragunov. Um, Braun Breaker, I'm assuming, is coming up at this year's Rumble. That being said, I have said that for the past two years, and it hasn't happened. But it, it makes a lot of sense. I, I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense. Like, it's, some of these people need to flesh out. Tiffany Stratton's fucking great, by the way. She should be on the She's main great. roster. Uh, there is a lot of women on the main roster currently. That's the that would be the only worry there is like, uh, and and maybe some of them don't need to be there. I wish they would do more with like instead of just bringing someone up and they're like, oh, they're on the main roster now. Like you know, when you bring someone up, send someone else back to NXT. Keep that going because it. it I mean, to me, it's made me more interested in um, like Baron Corbin, for instance. It's made me more interested in Baron Corbin than I have been in years. Right? Like uh, he's. He's great. I mean, he's always been good in the ring, but like they killed his, they, they overused him so much and pushed him like as this, just like the cane heel. Cause that's kind of what he was doing for so long that he was just feuding with everyone. It's kind of hard to care about the character, but he went back to the next refreshed. And we've talked about that like for years now, right? Like there, if you don't have stuff for these people to do and you want to bring someone else up, like, you know, send, send it both ways. Send one to NXT, send one there. I'm not saying pay them less money because they're on NXT or whatever, but you know, move them around at this point, NXT superstars, unless it's like their day one in the business should be making as much, if not, you know, a little less than the people that are on the main roster anyways. So I agree, and I, I like obviously it's under Triple H, but I feel like if the era that I think NXT was the best, which was kind of the end of uh, Finn Balor's era into the Undisputed era, and who else was a part of that? And uh, Alistair Black and Velveteen Dream, and you had all these great wrestlers. There was no interaction, and the ones that made it up to the main roster were kind of started fresh you know, completely different a lot of times, which is a huge complaint. Um, not under Vince, when Triple H actually gives a shit about NXT, we're seeing these bigger wrestlers go, 
to NXT and perform with these guys. Some stick around for a little while. Before, we only got Finn Balor that was able to do that, really, and Samoa Joe when he came back. But before that, there was not that much of an interaction, and we're seeing them get developed, Carmelo Hayes, for instance, before they actually get called up, and they're not changing things about the wrestlers. So it makes me wish for Johnny and Tommaso and Adam Cole and all those guys, Aleister Black and Velveteen Dream, that they had that option, and it was developed like that, back when Vince was in charge. Yeah, I think NXT right now is a thousand times better than it has been the past two years. Um, yeah. I have a lot of the same like complaints and worries that you do as far as uh, how they kind of some of those guys. And uh, my height of NXT is when Sami Zayn was champion and kind of the buildup to him dropping the belt to Nakamura. I think that the roster that they had there was phenomenal, but um yeah it is weird i think building a clear path to to those stars uh is kind of the key part right like so they've done a great job with Walter. they just need to do the same thing when they bring people you know other people up like have something for them to do as soon as they show up like kevin owens is another example like because we always like People get hung on like, oh, well, they were in NXT and then they were doing great and they went to the main roster and they're terrible. That's not true for all cases. <laughs> like, because Sami Zayn came up, he had something to do. Kevin Owens came up, he had something to do immediately. It, it just depends on like what story they're put in. Um, and I think that has had a lot to do with why some of these guys have been in NXT so long. It's like I said, there's kind of just a log jam uh, on the main roster as far as like what meaningful storyline we can put in. And that just has a lot to do with the fact that the, the shows, and I think rightfully so, are so built around, you know, judgment day and, um, the bloodline. And so you gotta be really kind of careful of how you move, move stuff around and in and out. And they've been doing really well this year. So it's kind of hard to complain about, what WWE has been doing booking wise on the main roster. I think like overall WWE has had one of the best years they've had in quite some time. Um, as far as overall quality of the show goes, not just like monetary, uh, monetary value and all that jazz. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, even monetarily, <laughs> you know, they're selling out and doing better at every pay-per-view with attendance, you know, viewership's up. The roster's fucking just so deep, and you got three shows that are doing really well. Uh, NXT still sometimes loses me because I think that Sean, and I'm glad it's not as much as it used to be, but he likes a little bit of his comedy um, that some of it I find dumber than Vince's humor, to be honest with you. But for the most part, the wrestlers and everything, and Ilya Dragunov, he's going to be very high on my list this year. He's one of my favorite wrestlers. He's fucking fantastic. Um, I don't think anyone has intensity like him when it comes to just, he's ferocious. That's the best way to describe him. And he can sell and be a baby face getting killed by heel. And he can be a dominant monster. And I mean, it doesn't matter. So he's de definitely someone I look forward to. And I also like, I really love trick and mellow, man. Both of them. Both of them are great. Yeah, Carmelo Hayes is phenomenal. He's great. He probably will make my top ten list this year. Ilya is going to make the top ten list. That's like goes without saying. Um, 
I think both of, there's room for both those guys um, on the main roster for sure. Trick Williams, if we had a most improved category, absolutely, he would probably be my number one on the most improved category because this man has grown so much in the past year it's that's one fun thing about nxt when they actually do get someone that really like velveteen dream was one of those guys right like he started out it's like oh it's good gimmicks his ring and ring work was kind of not great but like he grew like a lot and that's that's fun to see that is the fun thing about watching nxt and um something that AEW could do a little bit better with one of these shows because i think what their format with them having three shows, one of those shows should be kind of a de- developmental show to build new characters, honestly. And I think that's going to be kind of forced when they re-up these contracts anyways. Um, but, yeah, it's 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 been a good year for WWE. Like, I, there, I don't have a whole lot of negatives to say about WWE outside of, like, you know, some booking stuff and, like, nitpicking. But as far as overall company... I think both NXT, Raw, and SmackDown have been pretty good shows on a week-to-week basis. Yep, I agree. Well, let's talk about uh, Raw. Uh, definitely just want to go over basically the major highlights on it. I mean, it, it really was uh, two guys in the ring giving off animosity that made me kind of be so excited. But other than that happening... We had Rhea Ripley in a non-title match. Good seeing uh, Mommy back in the ring. Cody Rhodes and Shinsuke Nakamura had a match. Actually, it was really good in the main event. Uh, Shinsuke would end up misting him in the face because obviously we're prolonging this feud until the uh, you know uh, the big show coming up. I forgot what it is, but it's their televised show, but they're acting like it's a mini pay-per-view. So we got that going on. I like Cody and, and Shinsuke right now. I think they're doing some good stuff. Drew McIntyre had an awesome match with Jey Uso, getting some redemption and kind of turning full heel. But this is about a couple, uh, Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch. Both of them have animosity in wrestling to two people that just came back. And the interactions between those two uh, situations were awesome. Because when you add reality, when, when you can get a situation, even if people don't like each other, where you can be like, hey, this is a business. Let's do fucking business. These type of things really, it's a, it's a reason why you have gripping storylines. So first, let's talk about Seth and CM Punk. CM Punk comes out. Adam, uh, Adam Pierce is in the ring with his contract. It's not fully disclosed if he's going to join or not, but basically Punk puts it that, Cincinnati itself uh, is it means a lot to him because it was his first match that he had when he was in WWE. I'm assuming on a dark match or, or something. Maybe he's talking about main roster. I don't know. But first match at that building for WWE. That was also the place that he left and had his last, um, you know, interaction in the ring for WWE until he came back. So being back, it, it meant a lot to him, but. He wants to change things around, essentially, and he feels like he's home. Monday Night Raw was his show. He wants to be on Monday Night Raw. And while he's signing it, the world champion, Seth Rollins, comes out. I love this interaction. Chris, I've told you, when I think Seth is at his best is when he's pissed off, he's arrogant, 
basically that's the reason why I like the architect so much is because I, I don't know that side of his personality that he had. That was my favorite rendition of Seth when he had the baby face run after coming off from being a heel it seemed like they were going to apply that same personality, but now position it more into a baby face. And then they turned him heel for no fucking reason. And then, you know, he's had stuff here and there, but when he gets personal, when he gets packed, the jokey facade of this character that he's putting off and he's talking to someone uh, like he did with, um, uh, what the hell, uh, no longer uh, Matt Riddle and that whole interaction, you know, or when, He's had this interaction, obviously, with Punk. When he gets personal, he can become vicious on the mic. And same thing applied to him. I know, I believe when Seth says, I hate you, and the way that he delivered it, and the way that CM Punk absorbed it, like, there was a lot of truth in that. (laughs) And he called him out. He basically said that you left this fucking place, you ripped it to shreds, you said that I was a, he didn't say it, but you know, you, you had nothing good to say and always would try to talk shit about this company and me. People don't know Sam Punk at one point, uh, basically said that Seth Rollins was, you know, cause Seth was obsessed with CM Punk. I mean, think about the hair, you know, he was a huge fan of his CM Punk wanted Seth to be a part of shield. He wanted Cassius Ono, but obviously they changed at the Roman Reigns and he picked Dean Ambrose a.k.a. John Moxley, and Seth to be a part of it. And, you know, Seth has given that to him, but he essentially called him a bootlicker and said he'd do anything to make WWE happy. And whether or not bootlicker, company guy, Seth has always been a WWE diehard through and through. So he didn't like all the shit talk. He didn't like dealing with that. And he was very verbal about it. And it came off in this promo. And I think... I don't know if Punk's going to win the Royal Rumble, but I am almost positive that it's, and I don't care if it's like obvious in front of us, it's going to be the fucking main events is going to be Punk and Rollins and Cody and Roman. And that's what we want. And I think that's what we need. And I don't know who's going to win my opinion. If it happens with the one that we're talking about with Punk and Seth, Punk beats Seth, Damian Cash is in at WrestleMania, beats CM Punk. That's what I would do. I don't know. We'll see when we get there. But what do you think, Chris, about this interaction? I thought I thought that Seth actually was – like, I like the ending where Punk was like, you know, all right, that's one chip. Because this is not like Hangman Page where they had a feud and Hangman brought up a bunch of animosity involving fucking, uh, you know, Cole Cabana that – Punk really didn't know about it and then just started saying it in a promo. He knows Seth doesn't like him. He knows this is coming. So I like how he was like, that's your last chance to do that. I'll let that one fucking slide. But I thought both guys were great. A game, getting me to believe whatever's real and whatever's not real. And I thought Seth was at the top of his game when it came to promo work because of the believability. Yeah, I mean, the the thing about Seth that's kind of hurt his character is, like, when he doesn't have... Okay, Seth is, like, really good when he has something meaningful going. Um, so when they're able to build, like you said, like a real... Like, some kind of realism into his storyline. Um, and this is working great. Like, I thought sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Sorry to interrupt you, but it just reminded me of something. Like, when Seth 
had his match with Roman and was still a heel and to get in Roman's head, fucked with him with the whole shield thing. And even came out to his old music, the shield music in the fucking SWAT gear and was literally getting in the tribal chief's head. That's the Seth Rollins. I like not the <laughs> like that fucking version of him. Yeah. The, 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 the version of Seth Rollins where he is basically mini triple H is pretty great. Exactly. Kind of, the, the cerebral assassin. This entire feud that with him and Punk is like Triple H writing what he would do if Punk came back is what it seems like. Like if Triple H was still yeah. wrestling, this would be the same exact feud, promos, etc. So, I mean, I'm sure Triple H is taking a, a, a little bit of a, a shot at Punk here, but... I think everyone. Uh, I think everyone in this looked great. I still think Cody's winning Rumble, but the matches that you laid out in the uh, aftermath of those matches also makes a whole hell of a lot of sense. So I could I could see that being exactly how you laid it out. WWE was basically gifted Punk, if you really think about this, because their plans they still had big plans for Mania, but like they just got this one for free. <laughs> you know, they've been out here chasing The Rock and Stone Cold to try to get like one more big star for mania and then punk just like kind of landed in their laps. Yeah. It's, it's, it's effing crazy. Um, but yeah, I loved all the interaction. I also really liked all the stuff with Becky and, uh, Naya. I, I still think, and Becky fucking brought it up. The Naya is bit dangerous in the fucking ring. I don't think that's ever going to stop. But what I've always said about Naya is that she's hateable, Chris, you know, she, she comes off, Really well as a heel. She does it well for her. And this interaction, I like Nia basically saying like, hey, if it wasn't for me fucking giving you a concussion, knocking your head split open, would there even be the man? But like, you know, Becky bringing up the fact that she's reckless and there seemed to actually be tension there. And like I said, realism in wrestling is great. And I feel like this is probably going to be a rumble match with the two of them. But they got me hook, line, and sinker. And I was also really impressed because the women had a great interaction around the audience after. And it's not so much them being women or any other wrestler after an interaction with Seth and CM Punk that's able to get that out of the audience and get that much tension, especially with one wrestler that's not as beloved as the other. I thought, I thought they knocked it out of the park as well. Yeah, Becky is still so incredibly over. It's it's insane, um, especially considering the amount of time that she's had off in the past couple of years. But like she's on one hell of a run. Nia was fine here. Uh, God, she had one of the worst matches I've seen in a long time against Shayna Baszler recently. So like as far as the match goes, like I'm interested in the story, but the match itself, like I'm super yeah. worried about what that what that's gonna look like. And I don't at this point I don't know that there's a way to fix Nia. Um, oh, oh no, man. Put her like, what do you do? How do you make her better? Like, who do you put her, like who trains her to make her better at this point? She's kind of had multiple opportunities for the past, like eight years to get, you know, just slightly better in the ring. Like learn five things, just do five things. That's, that's what Naya needs to do. She needs to get really good at doing five things and then make her match like super simple. Like you you need to treat Nia Jax like Goldberg, basically. Yeah, no, and that's fine too. But like, I don't get it because who taught the Usos 
and Solo and Jacob. Rikishi fought two, which would know how to use Nia Jax, I think, the best out of any of those guys because he's more that size towards the wrestlers that he dealt with. Go to your fucking uncle and get some, you know, some some uh, some one-on-one time with him. Maybe she does. Maybe she, I, I don't know. But I'm just saying she is the one, the one part of the Analoa family that's just not that good with a bunch of amazing fucking wrestlers that came out of there. Um, maybe they need to bring in like Blue Meanie to like train her. <laughs> Or something, you know what I mean? Like, I'm trying to think of like someone that could help Nia because she's—I mean, she's had all of that, right? It's, just, it's not. There's something that just doesn't click. Like, she goes up heavy on suplexes, almost kills people. Like, she doesn't. She has one of the worst-looking Samoan drops I've ever seen. Almost murders people all the time with that. Like, it's just every match. Fucking bonsai drop. She doesn't grab the rope, so she just annihilates her sternum. Um, throws people around like a rag doll outside the fucking ring. It's it's like I said. Just at some point, give her the Goldberg treatment and be like, "Yeah, no, we only need you to do like four things." You know what yeah. I mean? Like, make they really need to dumb that match down. At least it's with Becky. So hopefully, Becky in the ring can dumb that down as as much as she needs to. But then it just makes me worried that she's going to like accidentally murder Becky and then she's going to be injured for like another six months. <laughs> so that's that's that it, the, the whole Nia Jax thing still to me goes back to, well, we want the rocket mania because <laughs> like I still don't understand why they resigned her. They have such other great women type like talent on that roster who are like with the fan base more over than Nia Jax is even coming back. So it's just. It's still baffling to me. But as far as the promo between her and the interaction between her and Becky, I thought that was pretty good. Makes me interested in the storyline. There's very little that could make me interested in a Nia Jax match. Fair enough, man. I agree with you. All right. We'll move on from Raw. Let's talk a little bit about Dynamite. I'm just going to ask you. I thought the matches have been great. But I have two problems with the Continental Classic. And tonight we had the Gold League, John Moxley, one over Swerve Strickland. Uh, Roosh beat Jay Lethal. Uh, Jay White beat Mark Briscoe. And Andrade El Idolo uh, for the Blue League beat Brody King. My biggest thing is that I know I, I don't expect them to do as big of a round-robin tournament as G1 with as, as big of – Feels is that even they were doing before they added, you know, so many more in the last couple of years. But I, I feel like this fucking thing's way too predictable. And now it's like, I don't know what Mark and, and, and Jay losing the whole entire thing. Because unfortunately, at this point, I don't trust a lot of the storyline that can come out of it. Because I feel like I see these guys specifically, especially Jay, just lose. And I'm like, well, maybe he'll turn around. And then we don't see him for however long, because I'm supposed to watch every fucking show in Ring of Honor to be able to keep up with them. But the the matches are great. They're fun. But like I said, it's like John Moxley going in, and I feel like he's going to be a top guy. Oh, he's the number one. I feel like Swerve's probably going to be treated really well, too, because of everything that happened. And then the guys you expect to be in the middle, they're in the middle. And then the losing guys are like – it. it 
if you're going to have Mark and Jay possibly get one win, which maybe they'll, they'll lose every fucking match throughout this tournament after they're already disqualified. Why didn't you just have one of the wins at the beginning to like cause like a, Oh, that's out of nowhere. You know, like, like put a little bit of like spontaneity in it or, or unexpected elements in it to make me think it's not going to go a certain way. You know, I, I don't understand the logic and honestly, we came out of a pay-per-view that didn't really necessarily have a lot of endings towards storylines. And we immediately went to this and kind of have, I mean, yeah, we do have the whole thing obviously going with MJF and the devil mask. And I'm at this point, I'm like, what the fuck is the black scorpion altogether or is Mustafa Ali going to come with his revolt group from fucking NXT or WWE from the, how the hell the, the name of the group is. I'm losing interest is what I'm trying to say, but there is other stuff that I am liking um, storyline wise, but I just feel like I understand that part of the reason QT Marshall apparently left is because they're going new direction and that Tony recently has said that he wants to be the American equivalent to new Japan. And to me, it's like, I like that idea, but you didn't really do that. And you got so much quirky weirdness. I don't know if that really exists, but you should really still apply for storyline and, and having that keep your whole thing going on. And I love round robin tournaments. I just don't know if you're not going to really project as much towards the main storylines. Is it if it's as effective? But once again, Chris, this goes back to are we catering to the AEW diehards that are definitely going to go and get seats in the arenas and watch the show no matter what, and not worrying about new people checking it out? I, I feel like that is the direction that, unfortunately. Tony chooses to go, and that's the reason why they don't expand more and might be losing their TV deal to WWE come next year. Yeah, I I agree with you. And the, the tournament thing in general, just coming out of the pay-per-view, randomly getting announced by Eddie Kingston, and then there not being really any real like discussion of why he would want to do that or why these titles are going to be kind of defunct and create a new title. Like that was, he's like basically what he, the way he made it sound was that he was going to be defending his belt throughout the entire tournament. And then at the end, there is a new belt, but that's not what's happening. So that, so just going into it, it already started confusing. And then you have, like, like you said, it is, it was very, you know, with Swerve being there, getting that huge win over Hangman and kind of almost like, like we talked about last, last show, um, kind of almost turning babyface in the middle of the match there a little bit. You're kind of like, well, okay, that's the guy that's probably winning this tournament. Um, and there's no one, like, when you're talking about like Jay Lethal and, um, Mark Briscoe, the reason that that works in Japan, one, there's more matches, uh, which helps. But even like when they have someone like Yano, Yano will get a big win over someone you didn't expect. So like at the very least, even if you don't think they're going to win the tournament, they could play spoiler for someone else. Right. So like Yano has pinned Okada multiple times in the G1, for instance. So like that's the thing that I think AEW has not done a good job of because you're like, okay, well, these guys are just here to take losses, uh, which is kind of the reason that Yano is there. But you also have to give them meaningful wins. And like so 
if you're Jay Lethal, you should give him like a win. If he's going against Moxley, for instance, that would be like the surprise, right? Like he gets, oh, he gets the surprise roll-up win. No one expected it. There you go. That makes the tournament interesting. They haven't done that. What they have done is given us a bunch of good matches. Um, and I can't really complain about the qual- any of the quality of the matches that they've given us. The Andrade-Brody match was phenomenal. Uh, but yeah, it is kind of that weird, it's that weird thing of like, well, how much do I want to invest in this? And, and do I really care? And it's for a title that is just like some new thing we're creating. Um, yeah, it's really weird. Like it, the entire tournament, like we, like I said on the last show is you, I don't know the tie in for Eddie Kingston is so weird because it's like, if Eddie Kingston's in the tournament, you know, you should make him a real threat to win the entire thing, right? And if he wins the entire thing, then he just picks his opponent like you do in the G1. Like when Okada won and he was champion, he just picked who he wanted to fight out of that tournament. So, like, I don't know. For someone who has seemed so obsessed with New Japan and <laughs> talking about Tony Khan, I felt like he's done a really piss-poor version of doing a G1 tournament. Yeah, I I can't disagree with that. And I think the reason why it works for New Japan is because, I mean, they still have storyline New Japan, but their shows primarily are much more wrestling based. And I don't know if that worry or if it works as well for American audiences to have like most of the whole entire show within a two hour period be about just a match that doesn't really have any type of ramification other than a tournament. I don't know if that works as well as far as compared to Japanese fans and how they perceive wrestling. I think it's a little bit different, but it's just, there's not a big enough group for either side for this not to be predictable. You know, of who's going to win, who's going to lose, who's going to be the head person. And I hate seeing, you know, maybe Jay and, and Mark will, you know, drag themselves out of this whole entire thing, but even Rush is done. It's just weird for them to be done this quickly in, 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 in eligibility, but they're still going to have matches. So I don't know. Mark, Mark and Jay, one person has to lose next week. So one of them will win, right? Which means Jay Lethal's losing. <laughs> like, great. Isn't that, um, you know, it'd be hilarious. And, and I know that Mark kind of said he didn't want to do another tag team, but if because of this tournament, they become a tag team. Cause that was one of my, the things that I had said previously. Like if you want to do something with Jay lethal and Mark Briscoe and you got nothing else for them to do, make them a fucking tag team. They'd be a great tag team together. And there's enough lineage and story there that it makes sense. So maybe that will be the one caveat to get out of this tournament. The problem with the tournament overall is that, it's for something that no one cares about because it's never been on the show prior. I mean, you just, you're creating a new title. Like if this was for, okay, the winner of this tournament gets a title shot against MJF. I think that the overall intrigue in general would be, you know, more important, but like (laughs) Eddie Kingston, as far as the titles that he's holding and he's the one that kind of set this tournament up, He's on Ring of Honor, which is on a streaming platform that I would say 70% of their performers don't like, or 70% of the audience doesn't watch on a week to week basis. Yeah, I mean, and they don't advertise for it. So 
you would know that last night had fucking, like I said, FTR and Mark Briscoe going against Blackpool Combat Club in a fucking three-on-three tag match. Nothing. Had no idea. If I didn't know that, if I didn't see advertisement that Ring of Honor happened last night, I wouldn't have known that it was fucking on with their fat, their last pay-per-view of this year. And especially like, I always ask, what's where the hell has uh, this person been, this person been? Apparently they've been on Ring of Honor. Keith Lee, Ethan Page, uh, Athena, who's been the women's champion for a long time. Um, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's annoying, to say the least. Do we need to start watching Ring of Honor as well now? No, I think it's time for AEW to just drive the final nail into that casket and just use the, you know, <laughs> what I originally thought they were going to do, which is just use the video library. Because, like, and I, I don't get the triple crown aspect either, man, because, all right, so it's not going to be the Ring of Honor championship because you're mixing it with the New Japan Strong championship and this new thing that's another fucking belt for AEW. So why would New Japan even agree to their American organization having an AEW title take over it, basically? And how does that work for Ring of Honor? Are they going to make the TV title the main title? Like, I, I have so many questions, but I don't I mean, really I care could, at the same time. <laughs> I could, yeah, I could be wrong on this, but New Japan Strong, like, hasn't done a show since August. So oh, shit. I, maybe they're just done. And this is oh, a way for them well, to get rid of get rid of that title. Uh, which is fine for New They're Japan. They're bringing a new right? title, too. Yeah, it's... Uh, well, yeah, if they get rid of one, you got to bring in a new one, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> These companies need more titles. Like, I needed a fucking other hole in my head. I agree. That includes WWE. Uh, too much. So, lastly, should we talk about last night, or do you have anything else you want to talk about Dynamite? I mean, I would just say, like, going back to the title thing, I, I said this when they introduced, like, the television titles there. Like, AEW worked a lot better when the primary focus was around the heavyweight title and the tag titles. Keep it simple, stupid. The kiss method. Yep. Tony does not know that method, apparently. But um, last night, it was a pretty keep it simple, stupid. Uh, the U.S. Uh, championship tournament, I mean, it's pretty much very predictable at this point, but they've been good matches. And with the last four of the semifinals, on one side we have Santos Escobar going against Bobby Lashley. Both have been built a lot lately. On the other side of it, Kevin Owens is going against Carmelo Hayes. So it's believable that any of these four, I think everyone kind of leans with Kevin because him and Logan had some interaction. Um you know, before when Logan first came in and then just recently. But all four of those guys, I could see them taking this tournament. We got two semifinals, and then we have the finals the week after that. And then we're going to find out who is going to be going against Logan Paul. Um, really, it's uh, I, I've been enjoying uh, this tournament. And, uh, yeah, good stuff last night. Yeah, still sticking with my original prediction of it being Kevin Owens, because I think that's just the highest profile match. 
And also, could you imagine watching a Bobby Lashley Logan Paul match? <laughs> That'd be like really no. well. Um, That's crazy. Yeah, I like the uh, I like that Punk kind of dropped the teaser. I guess it was last week or maybe the week before of like Kevin Owens, like that the, the fact that they kind of have had rubbed in the past the wrong way because that's a that's a match I really want to see is Kevin Owens versus CM Punk. That's a two Ring of Honor Dude. legends right there locking up. The the interaction in the back afterwards where he was like, ha he's like, hey, do you know where uh, Nick Aldis's office is? And then like, you know, Kevin Owens is like sizing him up while he's past him and he goes, hmm, nope. And just walks the fuck off. Like, I'm like, yes, <laughs> give me this fight. I love that uh, Kevin beat, um, I forgot who, he went against uh, Austin Theory last night. And he beat him because on accident because he's got a case because he's been selling this fake inj- injury to his wrist. So now he has it in a cast and he fucking gave him a forearm and knocked him out and was like, Oh shit, I fucking healed, but I didn't even mean to. And then he fucking like, you know, got the one, two, three, thought it was awesome. Kevin Owens is great. Yeah. He's phenomenal. But yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the money match, right? Like him and him and Logan Paul. So I'm assuming that's where they're going. Uh, if you're not going to go that way, if you, if you like, we have something else for Kevin to do. We don't want him to be in the Logan Paul match. I would actually do Carmelo Hayes. Cause I think that would be a big moment for Carmelo Hayes and introduction to the main roster. And he could win that title from Logan Paul and it doesn't hurt Logan Paul at all. I agree with you. I think those are my, but I mean, that's the thing too. It's like with how they're building Santos Escobar, like it's him and Lashley. And then, like I said, it's Carmelo and, and KO. And then, I personally think it's going to be Kevin Owens going against Bobby Lashley, but any four of those guys, it could be any of them basically, which I do appreciate that. Uh, it's not a hundred percent. You know what I'm saying, Chris? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get completely. <laughs> the funny thing is, is that this is the tournament AEW should be having. <laughs> Right. I didn't want to like, say it, but if you did, <laughs> I, you know, I, you know, if you're looking directly at your competition, at least in this tournament, you could make it for, you, you know, you could point out multiple people that could win and why they should win. Right. Like in, in AEW, because of that thing is just being thrown together with a new belt dropped and like, you know, remember when AEW said they were going to, the wins and losses were going to matter. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, that's not a that's not important anymore. Not to just bang on AEW because there's still I mean, they still are having phenomenal wrestling matches. So if you just care about just straight in ring wrestling and quality and don't care about any of the other aspects of wrestling, like that's the fucking show for you. hundred percent. But I I need a little bit more, man. (laughs) Yeah, let's not forget that some of the um, the sports entertainment style stuff was Ricky Starks and uh, fucking uh, God damn it. What the hell is his partner's name? Big Bill. Um, Big Bill. <laughs> and, and, and it was one of the most cringe segments with Kenny and Chris. That technically is Kenny's last thing on AEW. Uh, yeah. Hey man, Big Bills look great. I felt bad for Ricky. He's like, <laughs> "Where the fuck are you guys going?" And like, 
what like it just it got so bad at Jericho and and Kenny were both kind of like I don't know they were they were trying I don't know if Kenny was trying actually it looked like he wasn't <laughs> Kenny's like why the hell am I in a tag team with Jericho that's probably what Kenny Omega is thinking he called them he called them the Winnipeg Jets and was like oh yeah that's right we're not the Winnipeg Jets we're the Golden Jets so. <laughs> Yeah. So even even Kenny gets that that's a fucking terrible name Checked because Bobby out. Bobby Hole played for Chicago and it has absolutely nothing to do with fucking. Uh. Also, Jericho, you're not Canadian. You were you were born in Buffalo, my guy. You're not Canadian. Just sing Judith and shut up. Anyways, um, just kidding. That's like if that's like if I move to Japan for the next like forty years and then I just claim to be from Japan. <laughs> I can see that. I don't want to. I'm not gonna get into this about the, the fucking Jericho Canadian thing. It's like, yes, he does have dual citizenship. His dad did living. They did. He did grow up in Canada, but he like lived in Buffalo and his dad played for the New York Rangers for like years. So I don't. He he's he's as Canadian as I am, Dane's what I'm getting at. And you're pretty Canadian. Um, yeah, but truly kind of disappointing. Starts off, boys. <laughs> this is good. This <laughs> is where you insert the letter Kenny segment of the show. <laughs> no shit. Well, we had a big return last night, right off to start off the show. And I gotta say, Green Bay, you suck. God, that audience sucked. My Lord, I've just been hearing really good stuff in Dallas and uh, when they went to Quebec. You know, uh, I, I, it was either WWE or, or AEW, but I've, I've, great audiences. And Green Bay was, I don't know if it was maybe the, the fucking place and the, the, the sound. Not tra- I don't know what the fuck, but you guys just blew ass the whole entire time. Um, just want to let you know. So all of our Green Bay listeners, you don't have to listen anymore. If you don't want to, I apologize, but yeah. <laughs> anyway. It, it's kind of crazy because Green Bay, you would think, would be like a rabid fan base. If you watch like Packers games, it's insane, right? Like the fan base, it is kind of funny to look at it in pro wrestling. They were a very light audience for what I thought was a pretty good show. So it's – Yeah, me too. Uh, man. It's, it's also the holidays, dude. Maybe everybody was just wasted. It's Wisconsin. There's not a whole lot to do there. <laughs> I can get it's drunk. like that South like, Park episode where they just get drunk and drive around. Yeah, it's, like, you know, it's the same thing with like Milwaukee, for instance. You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't uh, know, man. We, we, we've gotten spoiled with uh, these companies just continuously going to like New York and Chicago and having these like big, you know, you're always going to get those big fan reactions there. So it's kind of like a, you know, it's, it is weird when they land in one of these small towns, but yeah, the, the audience was kind of, come on, come on, you guys. <laughs> you guys got Roman Reigns back on the fucking product. And you were kind of like, eh. I'm like they got up a little bit with Roman and Randy Orton coming out, but it was great having Roman back. I love the fact that he was hinting at who's going to be the next tribal chief. And he's like, you know, he, he works hard and, he, 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 the whole entire time, Jimmy's behind him, like, yeah, yeah, like getting hyped. And fucking Paul Heyman's looking at him like, like Joe Pesci from fucking Goodfellas, like, why do you think it's you? <laughs> I don't know if it's you, bro. And he's like getting hyped and he goes, solo. No, no, no. He, that's not how he did it. He goes, 
He goes, Jimmy. And Jimmy's like all excited. He goes, come here while we talk about the next tribal chief. And they're like, solo. And Jimmy just looked so distraught and sad. So distraught and sad. And then Randy Orton came out, caused a bunch of hell, and set up a match with him and Jimmy uh, later on. And Randy uh, told Roman he wants him at Royal Rumble. So normally you got to fucking do some shit, and that's what Roman was kind of alluding to. But we're not saying – we're not pointing out the fact that the heel's right because he's the heel – that, hey, you should probably go to the back of the line and actually win some matches. Randy Orton just barely, basically just said he's going to take out every member of your family and I'm going to fight you at Royal Rumble, and that's probably what's going to happen. But that's fine, too, because the Tribal Chief will beat the Viper. What do you think I was going to well, say? Well, I mean, fucking Randy's going to win. No, I mean, yeah, Roman's winning, but that's, as far as them building that match, like, Randy's response was like, well, I had the tag belts for a very, very long time, and your entire family took me out. <laughs> that, that's yeah. that's why I don't have more wins, right? Like, so that's the uh, I think that's the storyline that they're playing off of, which is fine. I mean, Roman uh, versus Randy, we've seen a bunch. We'll see if this is better than some of the other matches. Uh, Randy's look great, man, dude. He got huge. Like, this is like might be yeah. the biggest version of Randy Orton I've ever seen. <laughs> Like, my guy is just out here playing Fortnite and in the gym 24-7, apparently, because he's huge. I thought the same thing about Ethan Page, by the way. I know, like I said, I was not trying to crap on Ethan Page. <laughs> like, just being involved. There's nothing no. against Ethan Page. He looks great, dude. Ethan Page looks great. It's just, those are two guys that, like, my God, they, like, doubled in size. <laughs> yeah, because when, when Randy was with, uh, with Matt, or, or God, uh, the King of Bros. Uh, he was like more slim, like more slender, like almost like a Seth Rollins' size. Not not like height and width and anything, but like just more slim, like trimmed. This is like a jacked version of Randy Orton, which should scare everybody. By the way, that's terrifying. Yeah, who would want to see that fucking size viper in the wa- in the wilderness get attacked by that thing? You're gonna die. Anyways, um. So, yeah, other than that, there was a big ending. So we had the match, like I said, with Randy and Jimmy. Uh, Roman Reigns was about to come out because Jimmy was getting – no, no, Solo was about to come out because he was getting his ass kicked. Uh, QLA night, which Randy kind of reluctantly was like, hey, we're cool, but I don't need your help. Like, you know, and LA is like, dude, they are going to fuck you over. Just let me help you out. I actually like the interaction because LA Knight's still getting a great response and Randy Orton's a good legend to bounce off of. So I like them kind of like, you know, doing something in this direction temporarily. We're not going to have LA Knight win a title anytime soon. Like the one of the world titles. So as long as you still keep him like going on, but you know how I can tell he's still over because that audience sucked. But as soon as he said LA in the back, LA Knight, and they all said, yeah, Remember a couple of years ago, we didn't hear that. Like, if there was a backstage interview and shit like that, you didn't hear the audience really responding to stuff like that. And now it's different. So he still had control over them. Um, you could hear it, which is stuff that you used to be able to hear with the Rock in the backstage that made him, uh, you know, as big as he was. Right, Chris? Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think he's going to have a strong showing at Royal Rumble. Um. I could almost see that if Punk beats Seth for the title, I could almost see they'll do the draft right after Mania. 
I could almost see that being the next feud, really. Because Punk, because I, I think Punk is going to go heel, honestly. Yeah. And him versus LA Knight, with the amount of mic skills they have and how over LA Knight is right now, I think that is like the perfect follow up if you go that route, kind of the route you alluded to. Um, well, you had Damian Price, or Priest, like cashing in. Um, but yeah, in general, I think that's like a feud that people are looking forward to, right? Like LA Knight and CM Punk, that'd be great. Um, the other thing you could do, and maybe that's what they're setting up here is maybe Randy doesn't want to do as much work and just wants to do tag matches. <laughs> LA Knight and Randy Orton as a tag team would be pretty great. Not going to lie. <laughs> what I would like from that, and I could see them go in this direction is if they turn up like a tag team, they're like, all right, we got chemistry. And Randy's like, well, maybe I could do this again. And then it doesn't work out, and the first time Randy fucking fucks him over, and we have L.A. Knight and Randy Orton at WrestleMania, I would put obviously over L.A. Knight in that scenario, and that would be a huge win at WrestleMania with one of the biggest guys in the last, like, fucking, what, 15 years? Yeah. Looking at Randy Orton's career is crazy, and I've been, like, uh, I used to hate Randy Orton. We've talked about this for longtime listeners out there. Uh the more recent version of Randy Orton, I've became more of a fan of. Like, I don't know if he's just like, I guess it's all the weed he smoked with Matt Riddle or whatever, but he's gotten <laughs> like so much better at everything he does, in my opinion. Cause like, I used to, like, we used to call him Robotnik. Cause like, he, he's Robo Orton. Cause his promos were so bad. But like, he's, he seems like he's having more fun with it. It's like the Brock Lesnar thing, right? Like, <laughs> all of a sudden, Brock Lesnar started having fun with wrestling and got really interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. That would be a fun tag team, and I love the idea of like Orton versus LA Knight. I think they will have a really good match. I the one thing I will knock on LA Knight, I think his finisher is garbage. <laughs> like, can we get this guy something else? Well, outside I, of that, he's great. I, I guess that goes back to his influence because basically what it is, it's the stunner, but you go forward. So it just always looks like he tripped over himself, <laughs> pretty much. Like, I don't, <laughs> It's like Miz hitting the the his finisher the the uh, which is was the Jeff Jarrett famously called it the stroke and his looks terrible as well and uh, God who Mortis I'm trying to remember who played Mortis in WCW Canyon yeah okay, Canyon that that's the only version of that move that should be being done out there <laughs> looking at you Jeff and. Uh, Miz, but it's just one of those finishers. It's kind of weird. It's wonky to set up, and it's just like you know, just do a stunner. <laughs> like Kevin Owens is doing it. Well, my whole thing is it, it's like bullies did that to me. It didn't knock me out. It just pissed me off. They would like come grab my shoulders and then trip me and fucking go forward. I mean, that was like a didn't knock my ass out. Basically, just uh, just saying. He needs, yeah, he needs to go to the lab. I think that's the one thing that LA Knight is missing is the big finisher move. Like, you got the rock bottom, you got the Stone Cold Stunner, you got the Hogan leg drop. Like, whatever the fuck he's doing is not, that's not it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, like, he's, he's like, basically got, like, a ripoff of the people's elbow. I mean, it doesn't do the whole thing, but it's it's so damn similar, it's ridiculous. And then he's got, I guess, his version of the Stunner. But, yeah, I agree with you. I think he needs something a little more original, uh, Maybe different. him, maybe. Maybe him teaming with Orton, he can just take the RKO. He could use a one-wing angel. 
Uh, <laughs> he could. That's true. He could do As that. a tribute. As a tribute. As a tribute to Kenny no, I mean, like, I'm assuming that, you know, if they do the tag, if they go the tag team route, I would definitely, you know, if I'm Randy Orton, it's like, dude, you can use the RKO. It's fine. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I think that that would be a great move for him. It's it's kind of like when they took Seth's stomp away and you're like, well, I'm glad they gave him the pedigree. You know, like at least he has yeah. a, has a, Besides, has a it's not like <laughs> It's not like Moxie's not using it now as like a fucking in-between move. So doesn't have as, as much of a uh, – when when Randy does it, it looks completely different than when anyone else does it. But you know, yeah, um, I mean that's that's, that's like Sean. That's like Sean's super kick versus everybody else's, right? Like it's yes, absolutely. It's, Actually, the only uh, person I'll put in second place really for that is probably Dolph, but that's because he made it look exactly like Sean's, and he was the only one doing it during his time, and then everyone. Started doing fucking super kicks and crescent kicks and side kicks and fuck. That's a goddamn Bro, I really miss, I sound like JR. Like, there is a huge need for a wrestler that just throws kicks like Rob Bam Dam or like X Pac. Yeah. You know what I mean? I miss those like like thigh kicks and then roundhouse and all the stuff RVD used to do. Toe touch. You know, RVD, Shit, like dude. when he was champion in WWE for that very short stunt. He was like doing this thing where he'd hit a roundhouse and then like a, a wheel kick and then he would do a toe touch like he was David Lee Roth afterwards. Let's bring that back. We need a guy that does that. I can't think of his name, but the only guy that I can think of that does that is a dude in Impact. Uh, uh, Mike, ba- Mike Bailey kind of does some speedball, yeah. kind of has like a similar thing. Yeah, Who he's got like a Rob Van Dam meets. Matches. Yeah, no, he's he's awesome, um, and he's got that steamboat, um, Rob Van Dam kind of mixed quality about his style. Definitely dig it. Um, all right, so going back to the ending, and then we'll talk, like I said, to get out of here about available choices this year uh, with wrestlers. Um, we have the return of AJ Styles, so we have the part where LA Knight's taken out through all the uh, bullshit. Jimmy loses. To Randy Orton from an RKO. Roman and Solo hit the ring. Everyone's beating down him. LA Knight tries to come help out Randy Orton. They get double teamed. And then out of nowhere, AJ Styles' music comes back on. AJ, also looking buff as fuck, um, you know, storyline-wise got injured from the bloodline. However, whenever the hell he left last. Um well, he comes in, does his phenomenal forearm from behind. So everyone's waiting for him to come out. He actually comes through the audience. And then I swear to God, any other audience would be like, ah! and like these guys were like on simmer. Anyways, <laughs> AJ fucking does a phenomenal forearm, starts beating the shit out of Roman. Uh, and then it looks like it's the two baby faces with the heels running away. And then out of nowhere, AJ Styles just uh, hits LA Knight in the back of the head and beats his ass. And then before Randy could really even like do anything, gets out of the ring and then goes past Roman Reigns, just gives him an each shit look. And Roman, nor Solo, nor Jimmy or anyone is like, I, he just was fucking punching Roman in the face. I don't know. It was a very weird ending. I love AJ Styles. 
He's one of the guys that we're going to talk about that will be up on this contract this next year for WWE, but find a place for him because I missed him. Uh, he's, he's still AJ Styles. I'm AJ Styles. I mean, I think Punk showing up may help you with the AJ Styles thing, right? Because that they've always talked about wanting to work together, and I'm sure they've probably had some crossover at some point, but I cannot think of that match. And, like, holy hell, that would be a great match. Uh, yeah, I'm not a big Punk fan, but, like, AJ Styles versus Punk, you've got the entire lineage of Ring of Honor. you got the weird thing where, you know, Punk kind of got looked over an Impact, became the WWE guy, where AJ was the Impact guy for so long. I, I, I kind of want to see that. <laughs> um, yeah. But at the this same time. This World is going to be ridiculous, man. It is. It's going to be nuts. This entire season is going to be nuts because, like, you know, you're bringing AJ Styles back right before Mania. What if, like, the gong hits and they just set up Undertaker AJ Styles match? Hey, (laughs) dude. I'm down. Like, I would do one more of those. One more of those video Undertaker AJ Styles matches. That's one of the best things they did when they were doing – trying to do a lot of that during the pandemic was the AJ Styles, like, really funny WrestleMania match. Get Jeremy Borash on that project, though. Don't just let anybody do it. Uh, but <laughs> that's uh, – I don't know, man. AJ, AJ Styles is interesting, kind of like popping back up right before Mania. I kind of – like what match do you have for him? Like where are you going to – what are we setting up there? You know what I mean? And now I guess he's kind of heel. We don't know. Like is he staying basically in the scenario where it's like I'm my own man, fuck off everyone else? Like – it's interesting. I just don't know why Roman, very out of character of him, not to beat AJ's ass after he hit him from behind and started not, like, throwing punches on him, you know, and jumped on top of him, and he just walks by him. Like, you know, put Solo right there, too. It, it, that's my only, like, critique. It was really, really weird and out of character for the Tribal Chief. Yeah, the um, – I mean, i kind of been saying this for a while. I think the bloodline needs, like, Kind of like the Bullet Club had it with Kenny Omega being the cleaner. They need like the cleaner character, right? Like someone that's not part of the family but is in the group. And originally I had that pegged for Seth. Like, wow, God, this is like two years ago at this point. Um, yeah. like you could do that with AJ Styles. AJ Styles would be great for that role. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Oh. It's interesting. It's all good stuff. And you know what? You, If AJ Styles decides he doesn't want to re-up, I would maybe save that Sting retirement match and do Sting versus AJ. Yeah. Yeah, that would be that would be uh that would be awesome if that could work out. I don't know when his is, but let's talk about this so we can get out of here. We got th- th- I told you, man, this might be as far as all these different huge promotions, even the smaller ones. Some of the biggest wrestlers are going to be on the market. As far as this year. Now, we know that Will Ospreay, um, he is going to AEW. We know that the Von Eriks are not a part of MLW anymore, but they'll be going, I'm assuming, somewhere else. But it's before basically the end of the year. But this next year, I mean, the, the, the fact that we're going to have all those people that got fired from WWE available, including Dolph Ziggler, including Mufasa um, Ali, you know, there's just so many great names, but like, let's, let me just give you this list, Chris. I'll give you all the other companies and we'll WWE last because they have the most. 
from NWA, Camille Brickhouse, their past women's champion, the one person, especially out of the women there, that I think could be big in WWE because of the fact that it seems like Raw kind of hosts a lot of their more Haas female wrestlers, and SmackDown kind of has more of their athletic women uh, presented. Camille, you know, she has a lot of similarities to me to Jake Cargill, um, in, in essence. And she was the NW, uh, NWA Women's Champion, I think, for a year and a half. Great person to be on the market. Honestly, out of that company, you know, they have enough guys, but a Carrie Morton, Ricky Morton's son, or a Colby Carino, Steve Carino's son, um, or Odinson. They're all young, maybe future possibility for NXT. But other than that, Camille is the one I see out of that company as their top prospect or one of their top superstars. And now Nick Aldis is over in WWE, and we have the opportunity for Camille to come over with AEW. Listen to these names. At, at this year, we have not only MJF, which is contracts, like he keeps on saying, you know, is it starts, he's free as soon as January starts. But Keith Lee's coming up, Ethan Page, Brian Danielson, which I don't see him going anywhere, Andrade, all up this year. Impact, we have Jonathan Gresham, uh, we have Josh Alexander, we have Kenny King, we have Rick Swan, Tasha Steeles, and Deanna Perrazzo. Uh, New Japan, uh, I already said it, something about uh, Will Ospreay, but Tomatonga is coming up, and we've talked about the fact that he'll probably stay in New Japan, but Kazuchika Okada, for the first time, more so than before in the past, is looking at his options. And then MLW, like I said, the Von Erics are out, but Hammerstone was able to get everything finalized. Come, you know, the first of January, he is done with MLW. So all of those people, including, like I said, everyone that was released from WWE last year are going to be at some point available this next year. And most of them are at the beginning of the year, Chris. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's it's a crazy amount of talent out there. Um, yeah, Brickhouse, I think, would be great in WWE. I think that's a that's a good position um, for her. I think Deanna needs to go back. Deanna needs to I, – God, Deanna's so good, though. Like, she's like the female AJ Styles at this point. <laughs> like, I'm glad that she's an impact. I, I don't want to see her leave. I don't want to see her leave. Um, yeah. No, but yeah. And she's she married to Steve Macklin, who isn't coming up. So that is something to think about is the fact that her husband's still signed to the company for a couple of years. So she, she's probably going to stay, but it's still – yeah, the fact that Josh Alexander and Deanna Peraza are both available at some point unless they re-sign with Impact. Those are two of Impact's biggest wrestlers. Like everyone, some of their biggest wrestlers. That's why I think it's crazy. This is the year where I feel like the free agents, it's the craziest year for free agents just across the board. Yeah, what do you, what do you think the over-under on Impact getting the deal done before Josh Alexander's visa runs out? <laughs> Because that's what happened last, I don't know. Time con- last time his contract was up. They waited so long that he couldn't get another work visa and then just couldn't work for them for three months. Um, God, like, there maybe- is a part of me that would love to see Josh and Ethan Page show up together as a tag team as the North. If not an AEW, then maybe Ethan comes back to Impact or 
fuck if I have triple H wanted a great tag team and the fact that they both have different, but great personalities and they're both great wrestlers, different. I don't know. They're just that team to me, when I watched them a couple of years ago, right before the pandemic actually, and then they lost the titles and Ethan left. But, um, yeah, I'm this excited honest- for a lot of the ideas of what could happen, man. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of a bad time for your contract to be up, though, because, like, both companies are going through TV restructures and deals. So, like, depending on what happens with that might depend on how much money you get signed for and where you would want to go, right? Like, if AEW loses Warner Brothers, right? Like, I mean, I'm sure they're going to get picked up somewhere, but, like, that has to play into your decision-making a little bit. As far as these contracts go and stuff, Deanna Perrazzo. You know that Tony likes Tony likes to buy toys, though. You realize that he's got a lot of money. He has a big old toy chest, and Tony likes to buy toys. His dad has a lot of money. Yeah. (laughs) Tomato, tamale. Come on, let's be honest. I mean, yeah, I know, but like, uh, at some point, you know, Dixie Carter's family had a lot of money too. We saw how well that worked. (laughs) um yeah i I don't there's a lot of names out there uh aj styles is to me the most intriguing um but he has also said that he kind of just wants to finish off in wwe i think he's he kind of gave kind of a similar statement as kevin owens about that right like of like you know my kids they they've grown up watching wwe and like love it and be really weird for me to go somewhere else um this sounds weird, but with AJ specifically, I could see him being like, all right, I'm going to have a good way to go out. But if I wanted to, I could do like a year in AW, have some cool matches. But I feel like one of the main reasons he'd be doing that, I think you know where I'm going with this, is to go against Kenny Omega. Because they had several matches in Winnipeg when Kenny was first coming up, but they've never... You know, besides obviously being, a, they've never had a match, you know, high profile match now where they're at. Do you think that from all intents and purposes, unfortunately, it looks like Kenny's not going to be a part of wrestling in AEW, that that would also be more of a reason for AJ to not go to AEW and just retire after he's done with WWE? I don't know, though. The thing about him going to AEW is it would open up Japan to him again. And yeah, I'm sure there's. That's a good point. There's a couple of matches that he would want to. I know he would. I know that he probably wants another match with Okada, right? Yep. You would think. Um, and if you brought him I in. Want I want another mean, match with Danielson. Get some match with Jay Lethal, right? Yeah. That is the one thing is that you do have, like, AEW will lean harder into the Bullet Club stuff than WWE does. Um, and you have that crossover, right? So there, there's intrigue there. It's just like. I don't know. I mean, it, it's crazy to think about because I would almost say AJ Styles would be a bigger get than like Brian Danielson, Edge, Christian, because the AEW fan base is just more more in tune to your in-ring quality of work, and AJ is like one of the best of all time. So, like him going there would be a, would be a huge deal. Yeah. And I could see it happening for sure. And all right, so we'll talk about WWE specifically, but just the women involved in this, you know, whoever gets Tasha Steeles, 
whether she stays at Impact, whoever gets Deanna Peraza, whoever gets Camille Brickhouse, like they're and I heard that she just came back, I think a year and a half ago, but MLW, I think Selena De La Renta's contracts coming up with them as well. All those females are, are females. I would definitely try to grab uh, because they are seasoned. And to me, I mean, there's no, where else do you fucking go with them? Like Tasha, I would love for her. You know, I think she's great on an impact and they have an awesome division, but Kara Hogan's not doing shit on AEW, and they were such a good female tag team a few years back. And she's got personality, man. She can go to WWE and do some great stuff. Yana can do some great stuff. Camille. And then the guys, too. Tama Tonga. You know what I'm saying? Alexander Hammerstone. Josh Alexander. The great Georgian, who will probably stay at Impact because his wife, Jordan Grace, is a big member of that. But Jonathan Gresham, you know, just so many good fucking wrestlers. Uh, Keith Lee. Back that we could see someone go some. We know that Andrade, kind of like Malachi, especially since they have family or wives in that company, have talked about, you know, wanting to go back over to WWE. So that's a very interesting thing. But anything else before I go over the long list of WWE wrestlers that all are going to be renegotiating this next year in 2024, Chris? Well, did you you said Andrade? Is his contract up? Yep, Andrade will be up this year. At yeah, some he's point, he's gone. He's he's a hundred percent gone. This is the man that I tried, mean, Charlotte. He, he intentionally tried to get fired. <laughs> yeah, he, he like slapped Sammy Guevara or something. AEW is yep. wild. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Bro, like that would be a smart move for WWE because Andrade uh, flourished under Triple H and NXT. So that would be that's that's one for sure. I'd be worried about if you're Tony Khan, especially since you're, you know, starting to give this guy wins randomly. Um, well, let's go up that because. All right. So Andrade, I agree with you, just like actually Keith Lee, because Meacham is over in WWE, you know, They're not doing shit with Keith Lee, I feel like. And under Triple H, he looked great. Um, I don't MJF is the hardest one. I mean, most likely he's going to stay, but who fucking knows at this point? But Keith Lee, Andrade, they could be WWE bound. Ethan Page, I could see staying and re-signing because they'll pay him the most. But it's also interesting of him showing up in Impact because I said it with Josh Alexander. And Brian Danielson ain't going anywhere. I think he's staying and you know, finishing up and then being a part of creative. Um, I, that, that, that's not happening. He's not leaving AEW. Yeah. I mean, well, he may be wrapped up as soon as wrestle kingdom, depending on how, how much truth there is to some of these injuries and stuff and what we're kind of hearing, right? Like he might just have that last match at the Tokyo dome with Okada, which is the one thing like he wanted to do when he came back to WWE. He was like, I I would love to stay here. If you guys will let me go wrestle in AAA and go wrestle in Japan. And they were like, Nope. And then the pandemic happened and he hasn't done any of that, but yeah, I mean, he could be wrapping up pretty quickly and I would assume that he's going to stay in creative uh, there. Like you, like you said, all right, so let's go over this list for WWE. We already said AJ Styles, but AJ Styles, Alexa Bliss, Angela Dawkins, Becky Lynch, all three members of the New Day, 
So Biggie, um, Kofi Kingston, and Xavier Woods, uh, Butch, aka uh, Pete Dunn, Drew McIntyre. We've already talked about that. Uh, coincidentally, L.A. Knight, Montez Ford, um, Pat McAfee, um, Randy Orton, which he might have already re- redid all of that. Ricochet, Seth Rollins, Becky Lynch, Sami Zayn. All right, I was about to say Xavier Woods, but I already said him uh, beforehand for all members of that. So that's a huge fucking list. Now, most likely, I think a majority of these people will stay with WWE, but, you know, there are a couple that are like, you know, different scenery. What if Alexa- the New Day, they wouldn't be called the New Day, but what if they showed up on fucking AEW? That's... Hmm. I wonder how much WWE owns of Xavier Woods's gaming channel, the up, up, down, down stuff, because I think that would heavily play into it, right? And yeah. uh, Kofi, Kofi has had multiple opportunities to leave in the past and hasn't. Uh, so I, I don't know. They're they're kind of like I think they would because they've talked about it openly in the Bucks. Have talked about it openly of the New Day versus the Young Bucks because. Kind of similar gimmicks, like Goofy, especially like you know three or four years ago. Um, I don't. That would be a great get for Tony Khan if he could get Xavier Woods and, and the New Day. I mean, it, especially because uh, their company is just so tied into um, video games, where like their people are doing streams and stuff, and they have these after-hours podcasts where they just like kind of talk about stuff. Like, I mean, Xavier Woods is that for WWE, so. On the media side of things, that would be a big get. It would also be really cool to, you know, see Xavier Woods as a singles competitor to some extent. Like, the majority of his career, he had a short run as, like, you know, Xavier Woods in NXT. And then in Impact, he was Consequences Creed, but that was, you know, most of that was spent tagging with people like lethal consequences with him and Jay lethal, which also, if you're going to bring him into AEW, can we get lethal consequences again? That'd be, that'd be pretty great. Uh, but yeah, like, I, I don't know that would, he, that's intriguing. I think the big one that if I was Tony Khan and I'm looking at that list and you kind of know that Randy Orton's not going to sign with you and he kind of dicked you over last time and just got more money from WWE by playing around with your emotions. Uh, he's probably off the board. Um, I, I would say AJ and Alexa Bliss out of that list or the two would be a huge, like Alexa Bliss would be a huge get for AEW because she is super over with fans in general. So this is so big. Why don't we just go down the list real quick? Yeah, go for it. And I'll just say the name and I'll say what I think. And then you can kind of spread out. So AJ Styles, we already talked about this. I mean, it's, it's, he could finish up with WWE or maybe make an extension because he doesn't want to really quit but stay with WWE until the end. But who knows? They're not really using him too much. And he kind of represents what AEW is all about, if you will, in a lot of ways of where he came as a wrestler. So he's kind of either way. How do you feel? The same way? Yeah, same way. Um, I mean – just kind of based on the statements he's made in the past and the fact that they brought in his friends and are paying them to do nothing, I think he might end up just staying at WWE. That's a good point, too. When is when is uh, Gallows and Anderson finished? Because, God, 
this has not been good for them. I don't know, but I hope that they like personally thank AJ Styles like each and every week for having a fucking job, like because they're they're maybe the most overrated tag team of all time. Those are strong, strong words. Um, Alexa Bliss, though, I agree with you. It just depends on what she wants to do. She's married now. She's having kids. Uh, her her boyfriend's very successful. Mr. Ryan Cabrera, I think. Um, but if she does show up, she still has that star power, and she could be really good for AEW, but they still find a place for her on the main roster because people like her, so... Uh, she's another person. I, I don't know. I would say she's fighting her time with WWE again. Yeah, probably. And they're they're doing that thing with Bo Dallas, and I'm wondering if she ties into that, and that might be part of the plan in general and all that jazz. Uh, she is somebody that they could tack a lot of time onto that contract. They could probably tack almost a year onto that contract because she because of her injuries and then being out pregnant. Yep. And I know that's very scummy, but it's also WWE and they do that. So her contract might actually not be up until next year, <laughs> really, if WWE decides to go that route. Um, I can see her signing. I would if I'm Tony Khan, you need to at least put a filler out there and throw some money at her because I think that's she's out of the females you named, she is the biggest of those stars and AEW definitely needs help in their women's division and getting Alexa bliss would not be the worst thing in the entire world for that company. So I think she stays with AEW, but if you're Tony Khan, you gotta like, you gotta at least get, get, get the call out there. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Just to find out, make sure, see if there's anything you can do. Um, what about the street profits? If I'm Montez Ford, I'm not going anywhere. You notice what I said though? <laughs> if you're Montez Ford. Uh, yeah, that's that's that almost seems like one of the contracts won't get renewed and Montez Ford's contract will get renewed. <laughs> it's kind of what I'm thinking. And we're uh, not saying Angelo is not good. It's just he's even if he gets skinnier and gets better and better in the ring, I think that him and Montez Ford, it's just Montez is always going to look like the star. Unfortunately, and Montez, and Montez Ford needs to be a straight heel singles competitor. Really, I think that if they do that, he he could be a huge huge star. Right now, he's kind of limited, and especially because WWE doesn't really care about their tag division that much. So, um, yeah, I would think that he's going to stay. Isn't he also married to Bianca Belair? Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, he, I, the the other the the, the Dawkins conversation is more of. <laughs> More of like what's going to happen with that guy, which, um, you know what? Like we've never seen him as a singles performer. Maybe he could go somewhere else and be a huge deal as a, as a singles performer. Who knows? Well, all I know is when I got a chance to meet NXT members, um, Matt Riddle and, uh, Mr. Angelo Dawkins were the only ones that, uh, really said anything to us, Adam Cole and, and, uh, Bianca and, and Montez Ford, all of them get the hell out of there. And uh, Angelo took a picture with me, so I appreciate Mr. Angelo Dawkins. I do. I love them. I love them as a tag team. It's just you know, I there is there is the the fact that Montez Ford could be be a huge single star, and you have to keep that in back of your mind a little bit. Um, 
But who knows, man? Maybe it'll work out great. Uh, Angelo Dawkins seems like a really good dude. So, like, hopefully, I mean, if he gets released, I'm sure he'll get picked up somewhere else. And it's actually interesting to think about what he would be as a singles wrestler that's not tied into the Street Profit gimmick. I mean, yeah, AEW does have, they have bootleg Street Profits <laughs> already in, in AEW. Do they still private, exist? Private party? No. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe one the of them AEW hangs t- out with the Hardys. The, the real question here is, does the AEW tag division still exist? Because, like, I um, just see a bunch of fucking trios matches all the time, and I'm like, you guys are wasting. <laughs> well, <laughs> who's who's going to be Jericho's fill-in fill in for this uh, tag title shot that they have if Kitty's gone? I didn't even think about that earlier. They beat the Bucks. Well, damn. For to for to set up the tag title like match, right? And Kenny's obviously not going to be able to do that. So, I guess Kenny won not having to be a part of that whole thing. Uh, that was terrible humor. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> well, I was looking forward to the uh, Kenny Omega Bucks feud. I thought that would be kind of fun, but um, all right. Continue with people on the list. Butch, a.k.a. Pete Dunn. I don't even know, man. Um, you got to get your... Butch is such a terrible name. I like that they're using him more, and they're trying to show him branching off from the other uh, brawling brutes, but Butch is such a stupid fucking name. I hate it. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're Pete Dunn, you kind of have to look around at the landscape uh, because you can look at Johnny Gargano and Tomasa Ciampa and be like, this might be the height of where I'm going to be in this company in general. And I think that's yeah. a very sad thing if you're Pete Dunn. And the fact that they're doing more with him right now, right before his contract's up would lead me to believe that he may be looking to take his talents elsewhere, which if so, good for him. I think Pete Dunn, uh, they're going to have to fill that gap for Brian Danielson. Pete Dunn's not a bad choice to do that. He could come no. in. He could be part of the uh, Blackpool Combat Club. Oh, that'd be awesome. He could have a great fucking feud with Darby Allen where they just destroy each other. Yeah, so like that one actually would make a lot of sense for Pete Dunn as long as the money makes sense. You know, do you Pete Dunn make as much money as possible? But uh, as a selfish wrestling fan, I would like to see him in AEW because at least we'd get some really great Pete Dunn single matches. Agreed. All right, Drew McIntyre. This one, if you asked me a couple of weeks ago, it might have been I could see him leaving, becoming Drew. I think we talked about it. Him becoming Drew Galloway. He could be a big deal in AEW, you know, whatever. But even though he doesn't have a belt and he has lost, I feel like this new heel turn has done a lot for him and kind of brought him out of obscurity. So I don't know. He's another person that's like, I could see him staying in WWE, especially now that Triple H is kind of trying to control his destination and get him to where he wants him. Yep. But I could also see him leaving and trying to bet on himself again because he already has done that. And now he's much more prestigious, I would say, in the industry than he was when he left WWE the first time. He's going to be a top guy wherever he goes. 
I like how that story has like kind of changed over the years because he was fired from WWE. It was not like a conscious decision that he left. That's a good. Yes. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. And also, he had like a lot more problems back then, and and definitely was not. He is not. He was not even close to the size he is now, and the look and the like that all developed when he got fired. Like he, you know, that's one of those pick yourself up by the bootstraps moment. That's kind of a cool story about. You know Drew McIntyre's career. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I I think they've probably told him that they have plans for him after Mania because they're going to have you're going to have the title shift probably to coat from Roman to Cody. Roman will probably take some time off after Mania, and then you're going to have you know maybe Punk or Priest winning the title. And either of those guys need like a big heel to go against, and Drew McIntyre is a perfect fit. So like. As a main event star, um, I, there's a lot there's a lot there for him. And if I was Drew McIntyre and I looked at that AEW roster, I'd be like, they don't know how to book big guys, so <laughs> I don't necessarily want to go there. That's a really good point. That is a very very good point. Um, now I would love to uh, see him make an impact return. That would be. You know, if he is going to leave, it'd be in impacts doing their giant rebranding and stuff. And maybe they got maybe they got some extra money they can throw at something. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, especially since they couldn't they couldn't afford uh, either CM Punk or Will Ospreay. So they can use the money they had for either of them and try to apply it towards Drew. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I'm just saying, you know. I mean, I mean, why not? He had a really good run in Impact, and there's a lot of good talent in Impact right now. I think it's a very good show. With the rebrand, I'm hoping it gets kind of pushed more, advertised more, and, you know, say what you will. But they also do 300,000 viewers a week, which is pretty much the same thing as uh, Collision. <laughs> I yeah. I think it really depends is. on – it's really just like what the money looks like, right? Um I actually and not only that, but Drew Galloway sounds Drew Galloway sounds a hell of a lot cooler than Drew McIntyre in my in my opinion. But it is fun to hear him say Drew McIntyre because of the, the Scottish accent. It sounds all oh, Drew McIntyre. <laughs> all right, can we can we say that it L.A. Knight and, and Randy Orton aren't going anywhere? I don't think. No, L.A. Knight at this point, like you've. He I'm has going back tied, to NWA. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he can't go back to Eli Drake now. Like the he got the gimmick over of LA Knight and WWE owns the name and the gimmick, so it would be really hard uh for him to leave. Also it doesn't make any sense because I think they still have big plans for that guy. Um It's crazy. That, that that's crazy uh that he has gotten as big as he has. I mean, we always had faith in him as Eli Drake, even when he was an impact way before, like, cause we talked about him when he was an impact when we first started the show, but he's, a, uh, yeah, I, I don't think he's going anywhere. Yeah. I don't think he's going anywhere as the, uh, the new slim Jim <laughs> mascot. Please do. Dude, he, he pulls a Randy Savage and goes to the evil competitors and brings the fucking slim Jim with him like he brings that advertisement it's like macho dude um this one's this one's interesting so i guess this is more 
I didn't even know he actually had a full contract. Maybe this uh, website's wrong, but Pat McAfee. I mean, whatever he has, I, I don't see him being like, no, I'm not going to work with WWE anymore. And he's not working with anyone else. So I think we'll see Pat back once in a while doing something. Yeah, I mean, Pat is just going to be a paid by appearance kind of guy. And I'm assuming he's going to have loyalty to WWE as far as that goes. But uh, he could just also not do anything. He's got his like own podcast that's on ESPN2 like live. And then he does the college game day stuff every week. So uh, he, basically what I'm getting at is he doesn't need a wrestling contract. So it's kind of different than a lot of other people on this list. He's definitely making yep. more money doing ESPN stuff than he would ever make in wrestling. I agree. All right. So uh, next, this one's interesting because he has a beautiful girlfriend that's a part of the WWE, Samantha Irvin. But I feel like Ricochet is the perfect wrestler to go to AEW from WWE. And I think WWE has... Risen him, you know, well under Triple H's guys, but I have never thought that Ricochet was the best person on the mic. And unfortunately, this company is much more about that. He's one of the innovators. And if you got him to mess around with a lot of the guys he already has and hasn't in AEW, but then, like I said, Samantha Irvin is so fine. She's gorgeous. So. <laughs> I can see him staying around too. Uh, I don't know. I thought he was gone the last time his contract re-upped and then he re-signed and stayed around. So I don't know, man, like the selfish wrestling fan in me wants him to go anywhere. That's not WWE because he was like years ago. Prince Puma was like number three on my top 10 wrestlers. And since then Ricochet has been just an utter disappointment. <laughs> so take that, take that for what it is. It'd be awesome if he showed up at AEW and was just Prince Puma and then could go work AAA and, and you can do some stuff with the Lucha brothers and you could build, you could maybe even build a whole faction called the underground and put like Luchasaurus and, uh, you know, play into that. The Lucha brothers, Luchasaurus, France Puma, Star Morrison, do something with that. I think that would be like a really good, that would be a great get for AEW. And he's a phenomenal, phenomenal wrestler. And he has just been wasted in WWE. And it's very, very sad. But seriously, Samantha Irvin is, Fine. So, and she's got a great voice. Um, I mean, like, she can still be fine when he works for a different company. <laughs> you know, like, it's not. It's not hey, gonna if you do that, I'm just saying the wrestling industry. If you're not around your girl, and she's around a bunch of people at an opposite with a different fucking company, and you guys don't see each other as much, it's happened a lot. I'm just saying it's a possibility. I mean, well, like, no, they're not married know, or anything like that. Well, I mean, like, you know, also taking into account that Ricochet gets paid to sit at home most weeks. It's like, I don't know. It depends on what he wants. What to do you think he does? Do you think that when he's doing stuff around the house, he does flips and shit for no reason? Like he's on the ladder, putting up a fucking painting, and then he does a backflip off the ladder? I mean, like, if I'm him I, and my contract's up, and I know that AEW just signed Will Ospreay, 
probably just rekindle yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> Go back there. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> uh, but, you know, maybe he doesn't. Not every wrestler cares about having, like, you know, seven star matches. <laughs> Sometimes they just like to get paid and sit at home. It's fine. Uh, like Randy Savage's, the leaping Lenny Poffo just got paid by WCW for like five years and didn't, like, was on like two shows. So. I didn't do a thing. <laughs> yep. We know, Lenny. All right. So we got, we got three more people. We'll, we'll get through them. One of them's a combo package, if you will. WWE's Golden Couple, Seth Rollins, the man Becky Lynch. They're staying in WWE, right? I mean, I'm sure Seth's not too happy about this punk thing, especially if he does have to lose it at WrestleMania, but he's a good businessman. He is a good company guy. I mean, he could go to AW and I'm sure everyone will be really fucking happy about that because of how he wrestles and everything. He definitely fill a, a void that Kenny's unfortunately going to leave there uh, when it comes to that type of top performer. But especially Becky, I don't see either of them leaving WWE. Yeah. The whole, this whole Seth heat with, with CM Punk is a work. Like I, I just don't believe that they have like any actual animosity towards one another at all. Um, I think it works. I think they did. So I think they did, but they got over it and they're making a fucking, it's not making a big money. deal at all. Yeah, yeah, exactly what AEW should have done with Punk and Hangman. Let's make some money off this. <laughs> Let's make some money yep. off Punk and Kenny Omega not liking each other. Um, yeah, that's, you know, I'm, there's lots of people that don't like CM Punk. So I'd be, you know, he probably is not going to be the first person he calls to uh, be like, you want to go to Disney World or whatever? But like <laughs> at the same time, I, I, the, the amount of attention to this heat is definitely like a, a work like uh Punk, I know Punk kind of took some light shots at him, but he also like even when he buried like on this the the famous Colt Cabana podcast, um, when he was talking about the Shield, he also said everyone in that group is great. The whole conversation, the one that people go back to, if you go back and listen to the actual thing that he says about the Shield, it's more directed at Triple H's and Vince's booking of what that was which is like, you got to go make them look really strong. And Punk's comment was like, well, they should just beat me if, if I got to make them look really strong. So uh, some of that's like fabricated heat. But yeah, like Seth and Becky are staying. There's no way they're going anywhere. They're huge. They're, I mean, Becky, especially with Becky uh, maybe being one of the most over people in wrestling in general, I, I just don't ever see her going anywhere. They're like they're that John Cena status, Randy Orton status of like, yeah, they're not going to go anywhere. I agree with you, but the last person we're talking about, it's kind of up in the air. I think he'll stay with WWE. You know, I was talking about someone that reminds me of Mick Foley, and Sami Zayn definitely has a lot of qualities about him. And one thing that, even though Sami has a lot of friends in AEW. He seems loyal, and I don't necessarily see him or even Kevin Owens if his is coming up in the next year and a half leaving. I feel like they're there, and they know they're part of the whole entire machine, and that I don't think it's in the next couple of years. In the next year, I don't think it's like weird if fucking Sammy wins the title um, on either platform. I think it's totally possible. I think he's a top guy, but – 
There is a fact, like I said, he knows a lot of the people over in AEW. All you can ask for in life is to have a friendship like Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. So <laughs> I'm assuming that he's going to stay. And Kevin Owens re-signed specifically because Sami Zayn re-signed last time. So I'm assuming this is probably going to work itself out the same way. Um, and they're using Sami Zayn really well. So, you know, it, it, he, it would be really weird for him to leave at kind of the height peak of his career to go somewhere else. Um, also, how would you use Sami Zayn in another company? That's kind of a, it's kind of a weird one, but I mean, obviously he can go there and have great matches, but like if he shows up at AEW, like what is the, what is the story you put him into? I guess. Yeah, exactly. So and Kevin is Kevin has openly said he's never leaving WWE. So if they're just if those two in theory they've been tied together pretty much their entire career, you just have to kind of assume that Sammy is just going to stay. Yeah, it, it's uh, I don't think it's a hundred percent, but like like you said, I don't think that he's going anywhere. But it's still like I said, this whole list, a lot of Greek or Greek, a lot of great wrestlers up on the market that will be, you know, finding out what they want to do in this next year. And like I said, most of them will be at the beginning of this upcoming year. So we're coming up soon to what will inevitably be at least a couple changes, major changes to the roster, people coming in and people leaving. Um, so I feel like the structure of everything will be uh, changed. And I feel like, when we're talking about most of these wrestlers, I feel like we're talking about additions to either impact WWE. Oh, actually I can finally say it, which I'm happy. I can say it now either TNA WWE or AEW, as far as, you know, people uh, adding to the roster. So I love this. It's, it's unfortunate if anyone loses their job, but if it's, if it's a matter of, you know, a, a contract being out, the fact that we have a chance to see some changes in the rosters across the board, I think that's only good for the industry itself. Yeah, I think it's great for the industry in general. And I am, uh, I think Impact is going to surprise people this coming year. I like that they're actually finally putting some money into that company. And uh, there is a gap there that I think the impact can fill for a lot of people in, in wrestling. And I think they've been putting on some really good shows. Also, Alex Shelley has been on an incredible title run, like an absolutely incredible title run. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to see what they do. Honestly, this, this coming year. And um, one last thing on Sammy, Sammy, I guess um, if I'm Sammy and I'm resigning that contract, I'm building in some kind of logic where <laughs> I get a title because I think he kind of got screwed in Montreal of not winning the title there. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, I don't think it's, it's, I think it's a very big possibility that happens uh, this next year at some point. Um, but it was really good talking to you about wrestling, everyone out there. And it was really good talking to you, Chris, about professional wrestling, but we have talked about all of your major news items and things that have happened our best wishes, of course, to Mr. Kenny Omega uh, to get healthy, first and foremost, over anything. Chris, uh, say goodbye to all lovely people and, uh, you know, say whatever you want to say 
before we peace out. Goodbye, all the lovely people out there. If you want to get in contact with me, you can hit me at, at Chris R. Patton on X and Christopher.R.Patton on Facebook and Instagram. Also, if you like movies, I was recently on the uh, Tom Clark 6, uh, 6M podcast talking about Smokey and the Bandit. And there is a Easter egg of me playing Eastbound and Down in there, so look out for that. Nice. I'll definitely have to check that out. And if you guys like listening to us, uh, definitely subscribe. Uh, definitely, you know, share this with friends of yours if you guys like wrestling. And if you're trying to find out on a different downloadable platform, we're on all of your major downloadable platforms. Spotify, YouTube, you know, just search on iTunes or any of those platforms or on Google. Find the one that works for you. Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Give us a five-star rating. Subscribe and listen to us. We do this show from time to time, usually on a Saturday. We record it, have it out by the end of the weekend. But we it's always over the big stuff that happens in wrestling. So our next one will be coming up while we're talking about our end-of-the-year awards. And I am looking forward to that show, Chris. Um, give me a hint. Who's going to be your number one uh, male, male wrestler of the year? Just tell me right now. Just off the top of your head. Just, uh, just reveal and spoil will, to all the people. It's Will Ospreay. Well, I don't know if that's that that that's true or not. I mean, I could agree with that, but I was just kidding. So um, <laughs> it's either it's everyone spray or Roman again. So I'll have to go through and watch back through a bunch of stuff. But yeah, I mean, Will Will had one hell of a year in both New Japan and AEW. So he's going to be tough it's to gonna, knock out of that spot. There's some really great wrestlers, uh, both male and female, and we usually do our stuff for best in male, best in female, best tag teams. Uh, best events. Sometimes we do top fives. Sometimes we do top tens, depending on the category itself. But we'll have that all for you guys. The next show that we put out for the end of the year. Can't believe it's happening in the next couple of weeks, Chris. We're getting down to the end of 2023. Yeah, and this will probably and into and hey, hey, this works out really well into the booking war of 2024. Not just MJF, <laughs> but across the board. Yeah, across the board. Also, this might be the last podcast for us of the year, maybe. I'm trying to think if there's anything that's happening that we'll be covering. Well, I think I think our we'll we'll do the uh, one in a couple of weeks before New Year's to do our awards, but that's about it. Yeah, yeah. So you guys out there enjoy wrestling in the meantime, and uh, man, I'm looking forward to that. We have to add a most improved category this year, though, because. Specifically for we Trick definitely. Williams, we'll just, we'll just call it the Trick Williams category. <laughs> well, you know, we could we can make it more dynamic. We can do the normal ones we've been doing, but we can have a couple single categories where me and you pick one person that quantifies that because Trick Williams is definitely someone that you could definitely say is most improved. Definitely, definitely. But yeah. Anyway, hope you guys enjoyed the show. Get ready for the next one. Like I said, like and subscribe, and you guys have a wonderful day, night, whenever you're listening to us. Peace out! Let the Wrestling Geeks Alliance be with you. Engineer, <laughs> meow.